What's going on, Drinking Buddies? Brand new podcast coming right at you. But real quick, you know what we got to do first? We got to put a little money in the bank, a little cash in my pocket. We are brought to you this week, first and foremost, by the video versions of this podcast. That's right. Experience the madness in full HD, ad-free. Oh, yeah, there are no ads. None of this. For 99 cents an episode or $6 a month for unlimited streaming at anwd.net slash videos. Once again, that is at anwd.net slash videos. And I got to tell you, we're back to in-person shows. And there's definitely some nudity coming up on some upcoming ones. Not this one. Definitely not this one. But some upcoming ones. Getting wild again. So check that out at anwd.net slash videos. We are also brought to you by my Twitch stream. That's right. Since the pandemic started, I've become a Twitch affiliate. Come hang out in the stream at twitch.tv slash Slayer. Streaming all the time. We have a lot of fun with it. You into games? You into me shit-talking people while I play games? There you go. Come hang out. And unofficially sponsored by my Tushy this week because um, we exposed a conspiracy theory and I'm going to try to blackmail them into a sponsorship. Anywho, let's get on with this show. My guest this week coming at you from Austin, Texas is a hilarious comedian, Allison Vojtovich. We talk conspiracies, we talk comedy, we talk guns, we talk hunting. Like, this is a fun show, went all over the place. Be sure to check out Allison's podcast that is available on Big Laugh Comedy. But before you do that, sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy Drinking Buddies. last night and uh he got in the car and my backpack and my water bottle that looks like a bottle of vodka was sitting on the front seat he was like bitch you trying to get broken into you can see everything in here this looks like you got liquor in here it's like people will break in for the fucking roll of toilet paper you got in the middle (laughs) i was like i didn't know sorry and you're from here yeah well charles is from east austin when you used to get shot up all the time over there i'm from round rock which is the suburbs (laughs) so i was the people that were told don't go to charles's neighborhood when i was little <laughs> bobby once like we've been here he's like he's left his car running while we've gone to stores i'm like dude you're from chicago how how are you doing this why are you oh it's austin it's fine I'm like no no, <laughs> no. like no. when i put my gear in his car like the child seats were in the trunk i'm like i want to put my stuff under the child seats so hopefully people don't break into it for the child seats and then find camera gear. Yeah, no, people for sure will break into your shit downtown. Like I live 10 minutes north of downtown and my roommate is a DJ and she had her windows smashed in. Like we're in a neighborhood and like her windows were smashed in and her $3,000 worth of gear snatched like two years ago too. This was before anything got really bad. But yeah, people don't give a fuck out here. Yeah, it's a major metropolitan area and um, you have a homeless situation. So, And also, as we were saying before, we're recording, right? Oh, yeah. As you were saying before we started recording, it's fucking hot. Everyone's crazy here. Like, the heat just makes everyone ornery. It's like that thing where uh, when they try to explain uh, causation isn't or correlation isn't causation. And they're like, yeah, uh, 
murders tend to increase when ice cream sales increase. Does that mean ice cream makes people murderous? No, it means hot weather makes people murderous, but it also makes them want ice cream. <laughs> right. It explains <laughs> Florida. Weather. It explains Florida. Come on. Yeah, yeah, Have you ever been to Miami? Oh, no. Thank God. No, <laughs> I'm not. I'll go though. Fuck it. If you guys want me to go to Miami. Yeah, please book Sponsor her. me. Yeah. <laughs> Having spent a fair amount of time down there and yeah. like doing armed security down there, like there's so much cocaine, right? Well, there's a ton of cocaine and just flat out crazy people. Yeah. I worked for an armored car company for a number of years. Like, so we serviced ATMs and shit like that. We literally had a guy, the truck's parked behind him and he's using the ATM come out of his car with a gun, like thought that the truck was rolling up on him. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I was in Tampa a couple weekends ago, which I know is not even the same city, but just as weird. And like the, and it, we were, uh, I was opening for Jen Fulweiler at the Tampa improv, which is in Ybor city, which has legal and protected chickens wandering around. And the guy running the Tampa improv, like one of the main guys, he wasn't the runner, but one of the other guys, he was talking about how Ebor used to be run by the mob. And he was like, the, when I was a kid growing up here, my mentor handed me a copy of Goodfellas and said, go watch this. This is how business works here. And I was like, what the fuck did I... <laughs> After watching Goodfellas, why would you stick around? Like, no, nothing ends well for anyone in that movie. Dude, he was telling me, this is, he was like, yeah, this is how ridiculous this town is. He goes, I grew up here. I knew how ridiculous it was, especially after watching Goodfellas. He goes, this building that we are in where the improv is in was abandoned for like 35 years. And he goes, I was a kid when it was abandoned and me and my friends used to come in here and drink Modellos and smash them on the back brick wall that is now where the stage is. And he goes, when we bought this place out, they hired me like as one of the first people. And the manager was like, what kind of dumbass kids would do this shit? And he goes, uh... <laughs> Most of those are mine. Actually me. You can fingerprint them. Yeah. He's like, I guarantee you a lot of those were me. <laughs> yeah, this is a fucking weird town, dude. Oh, Ybor City has like a long history of craziness. Yeah. Well, also like I saw, I stayed for a late show and saw some of the local comedians doing stuff. And there were so many jokes about how the chickens are more protected than the people in the town. <laughs> like you go, I was sitting at a coffee shop on the main, it's like seven Ave is like seventh Avenue is the main Sixth street equivalent, I guess there. And, uh, I was sitting at a coffee shop there doing work during the day. And I hear just all these cars laying on their horns and I look out and there's just a rooster in the middle of a four way intersection and no one can do anything other than lay on their horns and hope it leaves because <laughs> you can't fuck with the chickens. So what's fucked up is if the chickens had gotten sick, they would have actually shut down Florida. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's sad. But yeah, dude, I was actually, I turned it, I was shocked at how quickly I turned into a Floridian. As soon as I got down there, dude, I literally got off at the airport. No one in the, even in the airport had masks on. Like all the airports everywhere else are like, it's a federal mandate. You need them to fly. Florida doesn't give a fuck. They're like, we're not in the U.S. We're Florida. And I was so like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, mask off. Let's go. Like, let's do it. Whatever. Raw dog this place. And <laughs> I needed to find a coffee shop to do some work before the shows with Jen. I walk in and everyone turns and looks at me immediately. And I was like, what the fuck is going on in here? And I walk up to the front and immediately the cashier's like, um, I'm sorry, do you have a mask? We have an extra one for you if you don't. And I was like, oh, my God, I found the one place in Florida. <laughs> that requires masks and so I put mine on and the rest of the time I was in there I was like oh my god I hope no one's like doxing me right now <laughs> from the little little like tiny little liberal dot in all of Florida that cared about masks it's the fucking worst 
I've been in Vegas for the last couple of weeks and like got back to LA and like walked into the Ralph's, the grocery store there, yeah, like, yeah. without my mask on, like without even thinking about it. And, like everyone's like, <laughs> and I, they're looking at me like I've been looking at assholes this whole pandemic. Right. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I know LA, I know California is open, but whoops. <laughs> <laughs> my bad i forgot about this part yeah it's just weird especially within america you know like if you uh i was one of the irresponsible people i went i went to south africa for new year's this past year where'd you go we were in south uh, africa we flew into joburg drove to cape town and then did the whole garden route back up the coast oh you drove to cape town fuck it's like 15 hours yeah it's a two-hour flight I, yeah i've been to cape town yeah yeah, it's uh, it wasn't necessarily intelligent because we <laughs> we were on planes for 24 hours to get there because we went Houston to Doha to Joburg, and uh, then we landed. And we're like, we're gonna immediately drive 15 hours to Cape Town, and uh, South Africa was under um, they were under curfew from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. every day, and if you were caught out without a good reason, like you were legit gonna get tossed in jail. That's how strict they were with COVID stuff. The yeah, the police are very bribable down there. They're very bribable, but it's the thing where like they really don't give a fuck about like actual safety. Like I had my phone pickpocketed the last day, and I didn't even bother trying to get any help because the police help is like, did you do these things to try and not get robbed? No, well, it's your fault. Like, High five. I got pickpocketed in Cape Town too. Yeah. Oh no, I got it in Joburg. Oh, you got it in Joburg, <laughs> but see, still. See, I never left the airport in Joburg. Like. We, don't uh, yeah well, we got anyone watching don't <laughs> we got hustled in the Joburg airport like we were going to a local carrier <laughs> the security guard just hustling you yeah no no like these dudes with badges rolled up like let's help you with your fucking bags and we're like oh we don't know where our gate is and we get to the fucking gate and they're like <laughs> and my buddy my buddy who's there with me had not bought any rand in the states so all oh, he had, he has this dude at 20 oh my god yeah okay that's a ton of money for them yeah yeah I'm like, I have Rand. Here, yeah, have some fucking Rand. Rand. Yeah, it was like 13.5 Rand to the dollar when I was right, there. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a five in Rand. Like, yeah, it's even cheaper now too. It was like uh, 17 Rand to a dollar or something now. Oh fuck yeah. Yeah, so we were eating like Baldo and I eat like kings when we travel, and we were eating like appetizers, full ass meals, desserts, drinks, probably like for like $30 total for both of us. <sighs> so fun. Did you end up at that wild game restaurant? That's like out of the central business district in uh, Cape town. No, I was going to say I went to a game one in Karoo, which is on the way from Joburg to, to Cape town. So I did have some game while I was there, but not in Cape town. Oh, the one I went to in Cape town was great. Like for two of us, like the most expensive bottle of wine on the menu, like two or three apps, wild game, dessert, I think it came out to like 60 US with tax and tip. Yeah, well, the, we did actually stop at like an apple orchard outside of Cape Town, like when we were leaving to start driving along the coast. Um, it was maybe like half an hour outside of Cape Town. And uh, we just like randomly saw a fucking apple orchard and it was summer in December down there. So we were like, what the heck? And um, we pull in and it clearly like was uh, a cider place. You know, they made a lot of apple cider and like, you know, alcoholic cider and vinegars and all that. But um, also with the COVID quarantine during uh, during this time, um, they, they banned all alcohol sales. They banned tobacco and alcohol sales at first. And then the courts overruled tobacco as unconstitutional, but you still couldn't buy alcohol anywhere. 
You could possess it and drink it, but you couldn't buy it anywhere. So did you get some bootleg alcohol? We got our Airbnb host in Cape Town left us a bottle of wine because we were there on New Year's and they kept the curfew in for New Year's too. Like everyone, like, you know, people were like, you know, all my American, like my boyfriend was like, there's no way they're going to keep people in on New Year's. And I was like, do you not understand how governments in other countries work? Like, like I just said, they don't give a fuck about protecting you, but if you're breaking the rule that they care about, they will fuck you up, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, especially down there. Yeah. Especially, especially if they know you have money. Oh yeah. I, I was warned before I went down to Cape Town, like keep a handful of rand in your in your sock in case you have to bri- you bribe somebody. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's like that a lot of places. Like relevant thing when you were saying you got like played at the airport in Cape Town. We got played in the airport in Puerto Vallarta in Mexico a couple months ago. Um, in my checked baggage, I brought. Uh, smokable CBD. So it looks like weed, but it was legitimately just CBD. And um, I know I'm lame, whatever, but <laughs> decaf is better. Decaf is better than nothing. So um, I was like, whatever. And they fucking decided that they were going to dig through our checked baggage once we got there. But they liked me because I can speak Spanish. And so they were just like, oh, this fucking gringo over here. Like, I w- we're going to fuck around with these people. And then I could understand everything they were saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was chatting with them in Spanish. But they found out very quickly that Alex, my boyfriend, does not speak Spanish at all. <laughs> so they are like clowning on him with me. And I have to like go along with it. They're just like, you know, they're like, oh, get your husband over here. And they kept calling him my husband in Spanish. And finally... Uh, they're like yelling at him like Novio Novio get over here and he's just like not even clicking and finally I just was like hey husband get over here and they they were like oh she you know whatever but still they fucking find this CBD in my bag and they're like what's this and I was like it's CBD and they're like that's illegal here and I was like oh, like CBD is also illegal in Mexico and I'm thinking there's no way it's illegal because they fucking sell Xanax and <laughs> like right, Adderall need, over the counter. Have you ever been to Tijuana? The pharmacies you could buy TRT like yeah, over the counter. Yeah, HGH. Yeah, yeah. all that shit. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, and I'm talking with them. And finally, there, one of the guards pulls me off to the side. And basically, he goes, look, we're going to charge you a tobacco tax. You're going to go and pay with your credit card. It's 15 U.S., to get this tobacco tax on your CBD and you're going to give me cash right over here behind the video camera so they don't see that you're paying me off that I let you get through with this eighth of CBD. So he ends up fucking charging me $50 cash and the tobacco tax (laughs) for this little fucking thing of CBD that I was like, you can throw it away. Like, I don't even care at this point, but I just didn't want to even argue it because I was like, I don't know what they're going to do if I say I won't give you the cash. Right. Okay. <laughs> like you guys like me enough at this point. Like I'm just gonna go through with it. I don't care. Yeah, Mexican jail does not sound like a good time. <laughs> no, so, thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. I was like, well, I guess I need to check the legality of everything everywhere. <laughs> Is that your worst customs experience? I don't know why COVID made me. Maybe I got COVID and I got brain damage. I don't know. That's that's not medical advice or uh, <laughs> insight, but. Um, uh, when we went to South Africa too, um, like I said, we flew Houston to Doha and, um, when we landed in Doha, which is in Qatar is how I don't, they say cutter on fucking games, like sports games. And I'm like, just Qatar, just say it like that. It sounds better. But, um, so it's middle East, you know, closest next city is Kuwait city, right in the heart of fucking everything. Right. And, um, we have to go through, you know, put your bag back through, and uh, 
we just got off a 16 hour flight. I'm exhausted. My bag sets off the alarm. And I'm like, fucking what dude? Like we already went through Houston. Like there's no way I didn't, I made sure there was no anything in there. And they put it through again just to check. It goes off again. One more time goes off again. And so they're like, pull it aside in security. And a woman starts digging through it and she's shaking all my shit out. Like every single thing. And like, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this possibly could be. Right. And mind you, I had taken this bag and put it, put it upside down and shaken it myself before I repacked it to go on this trip. So I was like, there's nothing in this bag. She finally reaches in, I shit you not, into just the cup holder side pocket of this backpack. That sh- Anything that should have been in there should have shaken out when I shook this backpack out. She reaches in and pulls out a bullet shell, a bullet case. It's empty. There's not a bullet in there, <laughs> but it is a, it's a 20-06 fucking bullet that I used to shoot the last deer I killed. Texas. <laughs> yeah, hook them, baby. And I was like, no wonder this didn't go off in Houston. They don't give a fuck, you know? And so I was like, oh, and she pulls it out and I start laughing immediately. I'm like, oh, ha, ha, you know, in my head, just like, LOL, it's a case. Like, there's not even an actual bullet. You can swab it. There's not, you know, but she just like, she laughed at first and then she like got really serious. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm from Texas. Like we hunt. I shot a deer with that. I promise there's nothing else. And she just kept her straight face and handed the bag to this dude. And he like takes it over and he's like asking for my passport. He's calling people. I'm like, they're not going to let me on this fucking next plane. And Baldo, my friend that I was traveling with, he's doing yoga. He's, he's fucking (laughs) stretching and squatting and (laughs) being such a distraction. And I was like losing my mind because I'm like, once he asked for my passport, I was like, they're throwing me in jail for a fucking bullet case. Like, (laughs) you know, they're like Muslim law is super strict. Oh, yeah. I believe that's one of those airports where you can't publicly show affection between a man and a woman. Oh, really? Yeah. My former co-host like went through that airport on an international trip and like her and her boyfriend like kissed in the airport and the police were like, you can't do that here. Oh. Holy shit. I'm glad I didn't travel with Alex on that trip. Um, But yeah, they're super strict, dude. And so I was like freaking out. And finally, like it was clear that like part of it was probably just for show, right? Like they wanted to freak me out. And finally the guy comes over with my bag and my passport and he hands it to me. And they've made scans of it. They've got copies of all my documents and they're just keeping them. I was like, fuck, I'm going to be like a terrorist in the Middle East. I don't even. Hey, what's the name of your first special? There we go. Terrorist in the Middle East. Oh my God. Um, so he, he comes over and he goes, sister, I need to talk to you about this. And I was like, yes, sir. I know this was not a good idea. Like, I'm very sorry. I didn't know it was in my bag. And he's like, sister, like this is illegal everywhere. Not just here. <laughs> very seriously. That's how he said it to me. And I was just like, I know I'm very sorry. It won't happen again. I'm not going to pick up more bullets while I'm here. Just please let me get on my next flight. And he was just like, all right, sister, you just need to be, just be very careful. Like, do not make any more mistakes when you travel. And I was like, yes, sir. And he's just like, all right, be smarter. And then he answered my bag and told me to leave. Wow. Wow. And I walked away with Baldo and I was like, bitch, why were you doing yoga? He was like, I was getting ready to fight him. Like, yeah. Oh, that's sure, a good plan. Sure. Great, great plan. No. It's like, you for sure would have gone on the next flight without me and been like, have fun for two weeks. I'll see you when I'm back. <laughs> well, the worst part is they may have just put you back on a flight to America. But like, 
Just get this I white was, girl out of here. I was hoping for that. At that point, I was like, honestly, like if I have to pick a bad scenario, please just have it be the one where you send me back home. <laughs> Do not put me in prison here. Right. <laughs> like they throw you in prison. You're like, where's your head covering? Like, oh, fuck. Fuck. Do I need to make it with my own skin? Like, how do I? <laughs> what do I got to do here? Would that offend all? I don't know. Fuck. Fuck. I don't know anything. Yikes. Yeah. I've only had like one, and my audience has heard this a few times, but going into Australia, I had problems with customs. Dude, I've heard so many shit shows about Australian customs. They're the, they're the convict continent. Why do they give a fuck? They're trying to reform, show the world that they're better now. I don't fucking know. They'll still anything on that island, like ten to one chance you're gonna live. <laughs> like it's just, like you go out in the bush, you're dead, dude. Pretty much. Hell, the cities ain't all that safe either. But, yeah, I'm sure. But I, I get down there. I'm by myself. My beard is down to the middle of my chest at this point. Like I look like just like a big biker. Okay. And apparently they have a biker problem down there that I was unaware of. And when you get into Australia, you gotta declare fucking everything like vitamins. You have to declare on your custom oh, sheet. Oh, okay. And like, I have vitamin C and fish oil with me. Yeah, like, nothing crazy. Right. I declare it, and they're like, "Okay, open up all your shit." I'm like, "What?" But I declared what I have. Right. You're allowed 1,500 milliliters of alcohol, duty free, into Australia. Yeah. So it's two bottles, 1,500 milliliters. I happen to bring a handle and a fifth. Okay, so it was like a little more. Yeah. Like that's like that's not an extreme amount. It's not like your whole bag was full of it. No, no, definitely not. But the Australian customs lady is like, what's up with this? I'm like, it said two bottles. I don't really get the metric system. Oh my god. Lo siento, soy americano. <laughs> uh, that's what I tell everyone. <laughs> I'm out of the country. Sorry, I'm American. Yeah. That's it. And she's just kind of like Okay, fine. But then she made me unlock my phone. And she went through my pictures. What the fuck? So the night before I left, I was at a porn party. (laughs) And I have a very clear picture of my friend eating another friend's ass, like on a rooftop. Perfect. And this 50-year-old custom woman's just like. (laughs) You're like, yeah, my girlfriend's dude. (laughs) My friends like to party. (laughs) Like, why are you here? I'm on holiday. You sure you've never been in trouble with the law? Right. I I swear to you, I've never been in trouble with the law. Flip, 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 flip. They find a meme that I have about bullets where it's, it's a meme that said, shoot yourself with lower caliber bullets to build up an immunity to larger caliber. <laughs> That's a good meme. <laughs> it's an amazing meme. That's why I was on my phone still. Right. <laughs> and Australians don't understand guns. Yeah, they're, they're like, terrified. What does this mean? I'm like, it's a joke, lady. It's I, a joke. I swear. I, I, we shoot each other a lot in America. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> it's just fun and games around here. And the one thing that I really could have gotten fucked for that I just bullshit my way through is I used to travel with a Kasari. I don't know if you is you going to explain to the class what that is. It is. It, it's a weighted fighting chain. Okay. It used to be my bar fighting weapon. Okay. Because like, yeah, it just yeah. goes in your front pocket. Your pot. bar fighting weapon. <laughs> All right. Cool. Add to to do list. Allison, get a bar fighting weapon. People be pulling up. People, well, okay. People. Very regularly would pull knives during bar fights in Chicago. It's usually something higher caliber. <laughs> these days, these days. But yeah. I've definitely had some friends stabbed in bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like... I've definitely been on the verge of getting stabbed in a bar, actually, one time. Oh, I got to hear this story. <laughs> we're we're going to get back to we'll that We'll get story. back to that, yeah. And so this is in the bottom of my suitcase. It, yeah. It's like a dog chain with two weights on the end. 
And she's like, what's this? I'm like, oh, that's to decorate my leather jacket. Don't kink shame. Yes. Like, that goes on my leather. And she's like, oh, okay. I'm like, that that thing's super that's illegal. so lucky, dude. <laughs> I My bullshit game was on it, which is amazing for someone who had been drinking for 15 hours. Ah, you were drunk on the plane, too. Oh, yeah. I got bumped up to business class. So I was just like wine, cheese, and fucking all I could drink. <laughs> Well, because usually they give you free alcohol, like certain drinks on the business class, too, or at least like the first couple drinks, right? Oh, no, no. On international business, when you have the pot. It's all of them, right? It's literally like, it's like being at a bar where the bartender's your friend. Like, yeah. your glass is empty. Like, can we refill you, sir? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, That's what I thought. Yeah, because Baldo definitely got wine drunk on the way back from South Africa. <laughs> but he also just flirts with whatever those, whoever the stewardess is. And then she's like, oh, I'll get you some more. <laughs> yeah. When the business class, they're just like, yes, sir. Would you like another, sir? Right. Like, and they apologize. They're like, we're sorry we sat you next to the bathroom. I'm like, you don't understand how much I'm going to drink on this flight. This is a godsend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I don't have to stumble far. Right. <laughs> so after that, like, 15, 16 hours of drinking, I bullsh- managed to bullshit my way through that whole experience. That's insane. But tell me about almost getting stabbed. Okay, so this is such a dumb... This Okay, this is, like, so indicative of most open mic comedy, okay? For people who just don't understand, like... Wait a minute, wait a minute. You almost got stabbed by an open micer? That no. is that would have been the worst way to go ever. I almost got stabbed by someone attending an open mic. Even worse, okay? Why would you ever sit to watch an open mic? That's my, like people well, just don't understand that they're rehearsal for bad comedians. Generally, Even I, the good ones that go usually bomb because we're trying new shit. <laughs> I generally think that anyone who's going to an open mic is just trying to get a pity fuck. <laughs> like, oh yeah, these people's self-esteem is so low, they'll put out. Yeah, I mean, that's true, you know. But so what happened was I went to Phoenix, Arizona, and one of my best friends lives there. They've actually got a lot. They have four or five like professional, co- like good comedy clubs in town. So there's a lot of comedians. But um, yeah, there's a ton of, you know, just local shows, too. And I was booked on this one in an area called Sunny Slope. And if anyone's familiar with Phoenix, all I saw when I was in Sunny Slope were signs for Mormons, Mennonites, and then I found out that's like where all the meth comes from. <laughs> so it's like it's the triple M, right? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Great time, Sunny Slope. And people in Phoenix would be like, oh, fuck you. You went to Sunny Slope. So I pull up in this bar, dive bar, right? And I'm booked on a show at this dive bar. And it was fine. Like I did a, di- but it's a gross, low ceiling, no window, dark inside dive bar, not a paid show. Whatever we do it. <clears throat> the host for that was replacing the normal hosts. And his name's John Carden, the, the guest host. Super funny guy, super nice. Like I didn't, like none of my Phoenix comedians that I knew were there. So he was really nice to me. And just like, I hung out with him and stuff. And Afterwards, he was like, well, there's an open mic that happens here. He's like, I didn't get paid for this fucking shit. He goes, the open mic after this puts out a bucket and the audience can throw money in the bucket. And whoever the audience votes on as the best comedian after the open mic gets that comedian gets the money. And I was like, fuck it. Like, you know, even if it's 30 bucks, like I'm already here. I may as well try some new shit. Let's just see, you know. So the the host for the open mic comes. He's like kind of seeming already drunk when he gets there. So by the time he pulls me up to do my open mic spot, he's like wasted. I'm like in the middle of the lineup. There's probably 20 of us on the list. And he brings me up and I'm wearing like a dress. It was kind of tight. And he was like... um, he goes, uh, I, I don't I, I don't even know how to bring this next comedian up without getting me too. So Alison Voitovich, everyone. 
And I just got mad. I was like, why would you say that? You know, like, just say your next next comedian is Allison. That's it. Allison's joining us here from Austin, Texas. Right. Like, and also, like, I'm not one of those people that gets really, like, hyper-feminist pissed, but, like, this guy was already being a dick to the other comedians. He was drunk, and then he said that. And I was like, okay, you just called attention away from my jokes and towards what I was wearing. That I don't, like, I don't appreciate that because now I have to fight for my jokes to work. And so I got up and, like, I did fine. Like, I said some shit about him at the beginning and, like, kind of put him in his place. And then I did whatever, and it was a fine set. Like, I had a pretty good set. And um, I get off the stage and the host comes back. And before you can really say anything into the mic, this little dude that has been sitting at the bar the whole time, chained out, Hispanic guy, tattoos everywhere. He gets out from like his bar stool and walks up to the stage and goes like this to the, to the host. And the host leans over and he's like, oh shit, can we get Allison back up here? And I'm in the back with John already. And John's like, don't you fucking go back up there. Like, I'm already like about to fight this guy. Like, he's already pissing me off. And I was like, I'm going to go back up there. I need to see what's going on. So I go up there and uh, the the guy that came from the bar hands me a $100 bill. And the host goes, oh, she lo- he loved your set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like $100 for Allison. And I just got so mad because, <laughs> like, it was just such a weird interaction, right? I was like, the, this is not the premise of the mic at all. And this was definitely a dumb move of me. I should have just kept the money. <laughs> but I was like, I was mad. And so I took the bill and I put it in the bucket for, like, whoever the best comedian was. And I walked to the back. <laughs> and John goes, you just put that money in the bucket? And I was like, yeah, I did. So the bucket's at $150 now for whoever wins. So people are like, comedians are like, oh shit, like this is real money. I need to win. So everyone's getting all competitive. And like, uh, oh, I forgot to mention when I throw the money in the bucket, the host sees that. And he's like, did you just do that? And I was like, yeah, I'm not a stripper. Best comic wins. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not definitely not shaming strippers. No, not at all. all. But, but in the moment, that's an in amazing In the moment, move. I was pissed. I was like, I'm the only girl on this lineup. You're clearly doing this because the host commented on my tight dress. And now you're just like, whatever. And so I was, I was mad. And I was like, the point of this is the best comic wins. Fuck you guys. And uh, so then John goes up, one of the last people... And the guy, I think the guy just felt bad about my reaction. So the same guy gets up and hands John a hundred dollar bill and John throws the hundred into the bucket. And so then there's two fifty in this goddamn bucket. And the host is just pissing everyone off at this point. He's drunk. Finally, the, the audience votes, votes it down to me, John and this other guy. We just go, John ends up winning it. He splits it with us. You know, we all just get some money and, uh, as as we like are talking about the money and stuff, we look over and that guy from the bar is talking to the host again. And before we know it, I don't know what the host said to him, but the guy pulls a knife and he's like pointing at me and like his friend is trying to keep him from like coming over towards me and John. And so luckily, like his friend was sober enough to keep him off as like the host was about to fight him and he was trying to get to us. And John just grabbed me and was like, we're going. And he like pulled me. I don't even know what he did. Like... But John just walked me into my car and he was like, go home. <laughs> Did that dude think he bought you for that $100? I don't know. I was like, that was the problem though. Like when, that was what it felt like when he was giving me the money. I think that was the rage. Like it wasn't that like, like we said, like I, I think 
stripping is a great job if you want to do that. You know, like I think you should do that if that's how you want to make money. Like I have friends that are strippers and it's awesome. But like the feeling was that he felt like he was like, oh, she's going to owe me once I give this to her, you know, and that felt really sleazy. And so he was just like clearly pissed. Well, yeah, because that's not like an established interaction. Or yeah. Like, You're a comedian. You're not there as a dancer, as an escort. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's the thing too. Also, even if you are paying your dancer escort, expect, expecting them to do anything other than what you guys have agreed upon would still be the same feeling. Right. And <laughs> also, know? like, who are you expecting to get for $100, man? <laughs> Do you know the prices these days, bro? Right, like, <gasps> Come on. <laughs> anyone who's willing to have sex with you for $100, you probably don't want to have sex with. Probably not. Or you'll take home a couple extra diseases that you didn't pay for. <laughs> right? It's it's weird how, like, how the, the sex range goes. It's like, oh, like I can get laid for a $30 dinner or hundreds of dollars. It, it's- <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, but you need to actually listen to her talk for the $30 dinner, so... Oh, I'm, I'm sure you have, still have to listen to her talk even with the 300. Like, Probably. So, uh, 300's a low rate. And everyone I know who escorts is like thousands, Matt. I love that. Yeah, dude. I, I was talking to someone about that the other day. They're like, yeah, I can work 15 hours a week and be bawling. And it's like, I don't fucking blame you, dude. <laughs> At all. <laughs> no, if you can do it safely, like, yeah. there's no reason not to. If, right. you're, if you're good with it and you can do it safely, no reason not to. No, not at all. I, I made a fairly recent friend who like, dipped her toes into porn, like was a full service escort, dipped her toes into porn, realized she didn't like porn, went right back to escorting. Yeah. And she's just like, oh yeah, I work a few hours a week. Then I do ayahuasca. And like, (laughs) she like showed me her travel itinerary. And it's just not for work. It's just like where she wants to go. Right. God damn. Sometimes having a penis is fucking rough. Like, Yeah, I mean, one of the comedians on the Death Squad show last night was talking about that. She was like, yeah, I was being a sugar baby today, and now I'm set for the week. Like, had to spend five hours with a dude, and now we're here. We're chilling. Like, that was it. Yeah, and I love that it, that's becoming more socially acceptable. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. And it also like the, the empathy of, for like the dudes paying for it kind of hits me too. Cause I'm just like, damn, like I wish that you had friends that made you feel fulfilled or like, I wish that you could find a girlfriend that you were happy with, but some of them just don't want that. Some of them like that type of relationship, you know? Oh, 100%. I, I realized this, like being around a lot of sex workers, sex work is only really a problem for the middle class. Like people that are like the middle class is the ones that have like moral issues, moral issues with, with it, it, and just like, oh, I would never pay for it, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like if you're impoverished and you know you're working like two jobs and like you just want to get a nut, yeah, you have it, and then like fucking very rich people who are like, oh, I have a million things going on, and like getting to know you and like all these things that takes away from me earning money. Yeah, like I just want to get my transaction right. And go about my day. Like, I set up a friend of mine with a fairly famous uh, entertainer. We'll go with entertainer. Right. And it was just such a weird interaction because they they brought us out to a really nice steakhouse in Vegas. Right. And then he took her shopping. Like, and I'm just kind of following around, like, make sure my friend's okay. Yeah, right. But, like, he took her to a bunch of boutiques and, like, went shopping with her and then, like, <laughs> They went and did the deed, and like yeah. I just kind of was like hanging out in the hey, casino, making sure. She, and then in the back of my mind, I'm like, if something happens here, I don't know what the fuck I'm actually right. doing. <laughs> what can like, I actually do? <laughs> like this is a fairly major celebrity, uh, right? <laughs> 
Damn. But, but it was no thing. It was absolutely no thing. Like, and you know, this dude obviously married kids. Like, yeah, no, no fucking thing. It was just like, oh, we got stuck in Vegas. Um, we, we want to party. I'm bored. I'm yeah. bored. I want to party. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, that's a good point because you see like a lot of the the normal life like the normalization of what normal life is, is based on the middle-class life. You know, you graduate high school, maybe go to college, get a job, work for 50 years, retire, you know, have a family, buy a house within that. We were talking about this before the podcast, the, the old American dream. Exactly. And you don't like since starting comedy, like I'm, I'm straddled in such a weird position because I do marketing. So I like, I meet a lot of like startup people and wealthy people that like are, you know, even if they're young, they're killing it. Right. And then, you know, comedy is a lot of people that don't make 30 grand a year and, you know, they know how to scrape by on every single way possible. But like, those are the groups of people that are living much differently than they would like to make you think most of America lives. And then you realize like, this is also a large percentage of America. <laughs> like The middle class, like normal lifestyle is just normal for middle class. 100 percent like, if that <laughs> yeah that dream is dead that dream is fucking <laughs> dead like i mean it may be happening in some fucking middle nowhere america but mm -hmm. in the major cities yeah i was out with a bunch of comedians last night and you know people were doing key bumps at the table at the bar like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that is not the the dream that most people are like oh yeah you're a professional entertainer and you're in the dive bar doing key bumps with strangers. Like I can't even tell you how many times, like especially when I'm out at night hanging with comedians that I look around and I'm like, these people are legal adults. Like what is going on? <laughs> but you said it 100% correctly. Legally, they're adults. Yeah, legal okay. adults. <laughs> these yeah. are the people that choose our elected officials if they bother to vote. Yeah, <laughs> and most of them don't. And then they complain about who the elected officials are. <laughs> yeah, they do whole fucking bits about who the elected officials are. Like, what was the last time you voted, man? Uh, well... High uh, school. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> when I had hope. <laughs> well, and that... Entertainment and comedy especially is just a weird... Because it's like... If you end up in the system, like doing something criminal comedy is one of the places that'll still happily take you back. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's have, having worked outside of the normal corporate structure and even like normal day job structure, right? Like we're talking about this. I do freelance marketing stuff. Like I've never had to really work for anyone other than like feeling like my clients act like my boss sometimes, but it's like, it's so wild to me all the fucking rules that you need to follow to be a part of like normal society, including like all the drug testing and have you, do you have a criminal background? Cause there's so many friends that I have in comedy that are like ex heroin addicts, they're ex convicts and they're super nice. Now they actually put in the work to improve their lives, but it's like, bro, you're stuck being a line cook the rest of your life. Cause no one else wants to accept you just because you had a history. Like there's no redemption. I know. Well, cause American, Legal systems about punishment, not yeah. you know, reforming. Yeah, that's a fun topic. <laughs> Woohoo! Digging into it. I just noticed your hat says nothing on it. Nihilist Arby's, one of the best Twitter accounts on the internet. Nihilist Arby's? You don't know Nihilist Arby's? No. Oh my God. I should have worn my Stonks hat. That's what I was wearing yesterday. I saw, I saw. Wall Street memes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you get a little bit of that action? I didn't buy into any of the meme stocks, but I loved watching the memes about it because I actually, that was when I realized I understood the stock market enough to know when shit was hitting the fan because like I started seeing all this shit about like GameStop going up and I knew immediately how they did it. And I was like, 
oh my God, I can teach people about stocks now. <laughs> I know how this shit works. <laughs> my dad, who's like, you know, he's worked corporate his whole life and like has, you know, savings and stocks. He was, he was so pissed. He's like, the GameStop shit is bullshit. And I was like, actually, they followed all the rules. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Hell, the hedge funds had overshorted the fucking GameStop. Yeah. Anyway, so like, it was shorted like 120, 130%. Right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck them. Yeah, I know. I was like, Dad, they legally did everything right. Like, you can't get mad. I know you hate it because there's no reason for those stocks to be worth that much. <laughs> but the people voted. <laughs> Dude, GameStop overnight became like a Fortune 500 company. It's like, Dude, GameStop worth as much as fucking Apple. <laughs> I got, yeah, and apparently... <laughs> Alex is telling me that uh, GameStop was actually trying to like reinvigorate their business model with all the new funding. They were like, oh, we actually need to be better again. <laughs> we have to be competitive. <laughs> Does that mean they're going to give me more than $5 for a Call of Duty? I hope. <laughs> I was just laughing because like I got too deep into this, like into watching this. The dude, there was a dude on Reddit because it was like the Wall Street bets, you know, big Reddit account that kind of caused it. But they've got a big following on other social medias, too. So I found them through Instagram and um, they just do hilarious stock and like crypto memes all the time. And um, I they started posting like when this GameStop like troll started happening, they were posting. There was this user on their Reddit page who goes by deep fucking value and he put, I don't know how many millions of dollars, I don't know how he got this money, but he put like, I think a million dollars into GameStop when it was cheap. And so he was posting his updates. He was like, hold the line. He was one of the guys who was like, hold the line. He could have cashed out for so much fucking money when it peaked at like 300 something. And um, yeah, he ended up not. And But it's still at like a hundred something dollars a share. So he's still way up. And he posts screenshots of his thing every day. And he was encouraging other people not to sell. <laughs> like he was the champion of don't of sell. Of course not. <laughs> right. How long do you hold more money that motherfucker makes? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God. It was just so interesting that there were people like that committed to it. I was like, bro, that is so much money. I mean, if he got in at like fucking $4 a share, which what was that like last year? Yeah. That's like... Fucking 250,000 shares. Yeah, I don't even think, now that I'm thinking about it, when it started dipping, he probably had about, he had 17 million when it hit like in the hundreds again. So he probably, he didn't buy a million dollars worth at the beginning, but he put a substantial amount in and it grew to be millions, worth millions of dollars. And he could have cashed out in probably like the 30 millions at the peak. And well, who knows? Because with that many shares, he may have caused a free fall when he started selling. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe he knocked down his own value. <laughs> because that's the thing. Like, oh, hey, I have 100,000 shares of this and I just liquidate them. Like, right. That doesn't go unnoticed. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All that, like the stock memes and the crypto, like I always get off the fucking ride too early. Like I had, I had a bunch of BTC that I bought at like $40 a coin. No. And then I need money at one point because I'm a broke artist too. And right. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I made some money on this. And then it's like now I'm like. Crypto just still feels like I, I will put a, I put what I'm willing to lose into crypto because it's so volatile and it's so stressful to watch. And like, I just treat it like fake money. Like as soon as that money leaves my actual bank account, I'm like, this is a, a, applied to a fake chain of numbers in the ether and I'm probably never going to see it again. And then I hope that that number still just goes up. That's my investing strategy. <laughs> no, it's a good one. Like that's how I treat actual gambling. Yeah. So it's the same. I, Hell, I actually made a bunch of money on AMC. Fuck like, yeah. Because while GameStop was exploding, they're like, oh, AMC's the next one. So I got in on AMC cheap. Cheap. And then AMC didn't go anywhere for a while. I'm like, well, I'm stuck with it. Right. And then when it rallied like two weeks ago, I'm like, 
Fucking sell. Fucking sell. <laughs> no, I mean, I made three, four hundred percent on that. I'm oh, like, perfect. Yeah. Like that's the one time it fucking worked out because like BTC, I got out early. I had fucking, I had fucking Ethereum. Ethereum. Yep. I, I never got into Doge, but I got into a couple other ones that were like promising and like right. sat on them for years. And, yeah. Like, oh, I guess I'll sell it. It'll make a little profit, and then it's like to the moon and like motherfucker dude i love elon musk's tweets when he goes on rampages about crypto there's a when when doge was first like really popping off what was it like two three months ago he tweeted he was going on a rampage about all of his endeavors right it was literally like one tweet per endeavor there was one about tesla there was one about Neuralink. there was one about the boring company and then he goes uh spacex is going to put a literal doge coin on the literal moon and it's like i He's the one person that can do that. <laughs> I hate how influential he is on the market. <laughs> I know it's it's so fucking wild. It's like crypto's so fucking wild west. Like, oh, we we ain't regulating this shit at all. No, not at all, dude. Fucking uh, Ecuador just made it their official current. I think it was Ecuador made it their official currency. It was one of those Central American go- governments down there that, like, you know, their currency isn't worth much. But that's fucking crazy. Isn't that insane? Like. Oh hey, our currency is worth more than the dollar today, and now it's worth less than like. Yeah. Like. Well, that's what we were talking. Like, I was talking about that with my dad and my boyfriend. I was like, "How do you regulate the price of milk when it's so volatile like that? You can't. Like, you have to have a digital in real time changing scale for how many bitcoins this gallon of milk is. Yeah, and you end up like fucking Venezuela or some shit where yeah. it's just like, oh yeah. Please don't flush the money because right. it's worth more as toilet paper than it is as actual money. Yeah, exactly. It's it's so like money. This is highlighting for me how fake money is. Oh, 100%. All money's fake. Money is backed up by military might. That's why the dollar fucking works. Like, <laughs> oh, you're going to devalue our shit? We have warplanes. Yeah. How about you? It's it's insane. I, I don't I don't even know. What's the thing? Like, I thought I was good at economics in high school and college, and then cryptocurrency came into my life, and I was like, I don't know shit about fuck. <laughs> That's it. I mean, the last five years have just proved that, like, all of the societal bedrocks are fucking fake. Oh, we were talking about this. I was like, I wasn't a conspiracy theorist until COVID came along, and then I was like, if one thing can do... I don't even believe... I don't believe or not believe any conspiracies. I just want to hear all the angles because if COVID can do that much to the world, what the fuck else are we not paying attention to, you know? Oh, I know. I know. COVID also just proved that, like, modern society is full of selfish assholes. It really (laughs) did. Like, my freedoms. I I, I can't wear a mask. Like, also that they couldn't tell us to wear masks in the first place because they were afraid we were going to hoard them. Right. Yeah, that was the other problem, right? Because people started hoarding toilet paper and they're like, they're going to do this with the PPE if we tell them that they should use it. Right. Like, hey, guys, diarrhea might be a symptom. And if you're stuck in your house, water still runs. You can wash your asshole. (laughs) You can use your shower. Calm down. Yeah. You don't need to hoard toilet paper. That was, that's the weirdest thing, right? Like, what was, like, out of all the things, too, it was toilet paper that went the fastest. So I got a new conspiracy theory for you. Okay. The toilet paper hoarding was started by Tushy. <laughs> That's a good one, actually. There's a Tushy in this house. There is. There's yeah. two of them. Hey, if you guys want to sponsor this podcast. Right? And um, now we drink Love's Bidets. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely bidets in this house. It, but yeah, like the bidet industry blew up. I know. Like, I think that they fucking. They must have caused something. They're like, oh, you got to hoard that toilet paper. <laughs> 
Or maybe they just went around and bought it up. Like they just hired interns <laughs> to go just snatch toilet paper. The crisis actors were hired by Tushy to buy up all the toilet paper. <laughs> but that's the that's the type of shit that it's like if there was a real emergency, like there's an earthquake across the entire continent, we're fucked, dude. No one knows how to handle themselves. Fuck no, the, they whole, don't. the only the only instructions for COVID were please stay home for two weeks. And we couldn't do that without destroying the grocery stores. <laughs> Refusing to wear masks, <laughs> still not closing our businesses, like all of the things they asked us to do for two weeks, we were like, "Fuck that! We're gonna we're gonna just do everything you didn't ask us to do because we're panicking." Because <laughs> we're just fucking children, right? I, I mean, I'm kind of serious about this, but like, I wish COVID had had the lethality of like Ebola. <laughs> People would have actually taken it fucking seriously at that point. Because, dude, I, I, I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. Like when they're first like, "Oh, it's just like being a little sick." I was hashtagging post no mask, no condoms 2020. Dude, I was I was in I was in Arizona with my mom because uh, we my dad and I surprised her with a trip to the Grand Canyon for her birthday. And so we were in I was I was in Phoenix waiting to leave after we visited all that shit. We got to Phoenix and it was the day before we flew out and we're watching the news at our Airbnb and it was March, I want to say eighth, March eighth to tenth. Because it was, it was, or even later than that. Because it was Thursday, Thursday night was when we leave and we're watching Wednesday night and they're just talking about like, it's Cuomo looking into the camera and being like, I don't think things are ever going to be the same again. And I'm sitting there going, everyone's a pussy. <laughs> My mom's sitting there like, this is scary, Alice. And things are getting real. And I was like, everyone's a pussy. It's another flu. We'll be done in two weeks. All of the stereotypes. And then we get to the airport, the Phoenix International Airport on a Thursday afternoon, empty. We're the only ones dropping off our rental cards. We're the only ones going through security. We get on the plane. It's half empty. We're like, what the fuck is going on? We get back to Austin. And then the following Monday, Austin shut down. And we were just like, ah, oh, fuck. But I was the same way. I was sitting there yelling at the TV like, you guys are full of shit. <laughs> you don't know shit about fuck. <laughs> oh, I was so bad that LA had shut down restaurants. Yeah. I went to a suburb to get chicken and waffles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like they're not and literally like I was one of the last patients they're like I think we're shutting down I'm like I want my chicken we went well even as shit was shutting down though I was still like this isn't real this is a fucking movie you know like because like yeah they announced that Austin was gonna shut down on Monday and my brother and his fiance at the time were living in Houston and they were like mandated work from home starting the week that Austin was going to shut down. And in Texas, they thought they were going to shut down our highways. And so my brother and Jordan were like, can we come to Austin? <laughs> like we're working on, like we don't want to be trapped in our one bedroom apartment in downtown Houston, not allowed to go anywhere <laughs> and not see anyone. So they came and stayed. I was living with my parents at the time. They came and stayed with us because we thought the fucking highway highways were going to shut down. We went from like, this is nothing to the highways are shutting down. Get everything at the grocery store in like three days. <laughs> yeah, no, it was when that when that switch flipped, it was real fucking fast. Yeah, but even as it was happening, I was like, wow, we're shut down now, but this is fake, right? We're not actually doing this. Like it, it never registered. Like when I couldn't go out and do shows anymore. I was like, this isn't real. Brandon, that's how I met Brandon with Big Laugh. Like, he hit me up. He's a random dude. He's like, hey, we're doing virtual shows. And I was like, what? Why? <laughs> None of this is real. <laughs> Glitch in the Matrix. I started taking it pretty seriously pretty quick. I'm like, 
I have had some respiratory diseases in my life. Well, no, like, I mean, I never deny that the virus was fake. I just never imagined that we would see such, such a fast spreading actual outbreak. I was one of the people that just assumed it was from a lab from the beginning. That was the one part where I, I didn't even know that was a conspiracy. Honestly, it was spread as truth in Texas so fast that I thought that was true. <laughs> I literally was like, this is from a lab for sure. And like, I, it's still not been proven by the way. I could be totally wrong, but I was told like from the beginning, this was from a lab basically. But even I was like, I was like, there's, there's definitely a virus. I was never one of those people who was like, this isn't a virus. But I was like, I have never seen the world react to a virus like this before. And that's what felt so fake to me. I was like, we probably should be doing this because we don't know what's fucking going on. And we saw how bad Ebola was. And we saw how bad some of these other ones have been in my lifetime. But like, it just, it seemed so surreal in that way. Because I've just never seen the world react like that to anything before. Oh, same, same. But it, I don't think anyone has. <laughs> no, no, no one's been around since 1918 from the last one. Right, so, yeah. Could you imagine doing this shit without the internet? Could you imagine like doing this in 1918? Like, oh, hey, we're just like going to get drunk and read books and have sex. Like, yeah. what else do you do in 1918? I know. I was like, dude, the number of people that have COVID babies now, too. I'm like, come on, guys. Did you have to be a stereotype? <laughs> do not just use protection. But although I guess you didn't need to because you're not fucking around with other people. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. I, 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 made, I made some um poor dick choices over the course of COVID. Well, but were you in a relationship? No. Because the people making COVID babies are usually in relationships. Well, so they're like, well, they're probably not cheating on me right now. I probably know. <laughs> oh, I still had some unprotected sex during COVID. Right, but I, like... And of, at, like post-nut clarity on all of it was like, anyone who's willing to come over to my place right now to fuck and have unprotected sex is definitely not taking this seriously. I right. may have just died for this orgasm. Just... Yeah, but you know, going out strong, I guess, right? Yeah, one of them was just like, man, I, th this wasn't worth dying over. She kind of sucked. <laughs> that way, yeah, dudes always are like, I'd be okay with dying during sex, but if it's mediocre sex. Well, the sex was mediocre. She just kind of sucks as a person. Oh. <laughs> sex is fine. That's why right. I did it twice. Right. <laughs> You're like, I had to try again just to make sure. Like, just to make sure the personality was the issue. <laughs> yeah, oh, and it definitely was. <laughs> Oh, man, you don't tip. Why oh, do I have sex with you? Why? Fuck. Dude, yeah, I, I hate that when you're like, oh, I'm so attracted to you. And then you actually get to know them and you're like, oh, fuck, it wasn't your personality. <laughs> it was just our hormones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a giant slut and she just was like, next time I'm single, I'm coming over to fuck you. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a good deal, you right? know? It was an okay deal. <laughs> Well, because he had to deal with the personality. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was an okay deal. <laughs> yeah. Some mistakes were made. Right. Frankly, no pregnancy. I'm Good. Was, yeah, like Whew. every time I hung out with someone in COVID, it was just because of poor dick choices. Like, <laughs> otherwise, I was completely isolated. Like right. in my apartment, making YouTube videos, podcasting, playing on Twitch. And then like every once in a while, like, you know, someone would be like, hey, I want to come by and hang out. I'm like, Okay. Okay. I got a little lucky. Like <clears throat> I, um, like I work, like I mentioned, I work, uh, we do my podcast at the medical clinic that I do, uh, marketing for. Tell and, everyone the name. Oh yeah. My podcast is called detox with Allison. It's spelled D E T A L K S. Cause we're talking while we take our IVs or drinks, the vitamin drink that I had earlier. 
Um, but we shoot it at MSW Vitamin Lounge and they're great guys. But we got rapid COVID tests really quickly into the lounge like because people wanted them, right? And um, so I got really lucky that like I would just test regularly, you know, like so I was like, okay, I might be meeting up with people, but at least it's like I'm testing and I'm not showing any symptoms. And I was like doing that preventative measure at first. So I was definitely seeing people for a while, but I would say I was doing it in the most responsible way possible of at least making sure I was testing before I like went and saw them. Um, but yeah, like the people like how, what were you going to say? Oh, see, I was a little irresponsible. I went after like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I got a like slight cough after the second time we hung out. I'm like, Oh God, fuck. <laughs> like, did I just, oh fuck. Yeah. yeah. But, thankfully never caught COVID. Like yeah, never yeah, yeah. caught COVID. Yeah. Same. And, when I call her, because she was like, I think I may have gotten it. I'm like, you fucking killed me. And she's like, you knew the risks. You knew the risks. <laughs> what a baller move, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish I could be that rude. Like, <laughs> I'm too nice. I mean, this is a woman who has the confidence to just be like, I'm going to fuck you <laughs> next time I'm single. Like, I really didn't have to consent. It was just like a matter of yeah. fact that it was happening. You're like, oh, I guess I guess I'm into this. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate like not having to figure out like the human interaction. Like, are we doing this? Are we right, not doing this? Right. Are we doing this? Okay, I guess it's just on. Cool. Was there a was there a certain age that you noticed you started giving less fucks about that, and you were just hoping that it would be like, all right, let's go. Like seventeen. Seventeen. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I guess for dudes, it's always kind of like I just wish it was that straightforward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm as an adult, like. And, uh, you know, I'm fucking 40. So like slut shaming was definitely a thing yeah. you know, in my teens and early twenties and shit right. like that. Like, is, it was a weird dynamic at one point where it's like, well, if she makes me wait too long for sex, I'm out. But if right. uh, she fucks me right away, like the, she's the, a slut. Yeah. Like, yeah. And getting into like being around sex workers is probably the best thing that ever happened to me in life. Being like, oh, that was all stupid. Yeah. That was all completely stupid. Like, yeah. All of these people are people with as much agency in this situation as I have. Right. If not more, right. like they're the ones being like, this is how I'm going to make money. <laughs> like this is a business plan. Right. Like, uh, well, and just the fact that like, oh, just because you are sexually active or not does not determine who you are in any way, fucking no. shape or form. It was interesting, like actually with, uh, I was joking, we're. I, my, my, my boyfriend Alex he uh we just celebrated our two-year like first date anniversary right Aww. and he was like yeah I was talking <laughs> he goes I was talking with my friend and was like yeah you know we have like we we know the day we met because it was at this event that we were both at so I was like able to be like oh when, when was it that we met oh cool and then I was like you know a few weeks later was our first date and that's in my calendar because I live by my calendar so we were like oh it was this date cool and then, like, I know what day he actually asked me to be his boyfriend because we were going to the comedy store when it happened, and I had a parking slip from where I parked, and I had the parking ticket saved. So I was like, oh, I know the date for this. And he was telling his friend that, and his friend goes, well, what about your first fuck anniversary?" <laughs> and Alex goes, well, it's the same one as the first date anniversary." <laughs> And, and I had to tell him, I was like, dude, like the day that we had our first date and I ended up going home with you, my, the conversation in my head about whether I said yes to going home with you or not was like, 
are you okay with like this? Like you had, you just had a great date. Are you okay with this guy? Probably not actually hitting you up again because you just hooked up with him on the first date. And I didn't realize how like judgmental of my own choices I was in that. And like female shaming. I wasn't that until I did that. And then when he texted me the next day and kept asking me out on dates and I was shocked because I went home with him on the first date, I was like, oh, wow, I was like super judgy of people. <laughs> it was like a conversation in my head of like, okay, if you choose to go home with him tonight, he's he's a hookup buddy and that's it. Don't get too attached. <laughs> and if you, you know, if you don't, then maybe you'll get to date him. See, we need to change that in society. I know. It's like, so ridiculous. You know, women have needs too. They want to get off. Like, no yeah. need to like... Play around and like, oh, well, yeah. Right. And and well, when I said that to him, I told him that. I was like, that was the conversation in my head. Was like, are you okay with this guy probably just being like, all right, she's a hookup buddy and that's it. He was like, why would you think that? Like, and he said what you said. He was like, I want women to like be able to express themselves and do what they want at any point. Why would I think that of you? And I was like, because every other dude I've ever like hooked up with felt that way, <laughs> you know? So it's a lot. It is. It is. And it's just a societal norm. We have to fucking change. Yeah. It's, I think it's, I think it's getting a lot better, especially Gen Z. They don't give a fuck about anything. They're like, everyone do what you want. As long as you're not hurting someone else, you know? Oh yeah. Well, and unfortunately like Gen Z, takes it a little too far they sometimes. go so far with shit yeah. but i think every generation thinks the one below them is too far you know well and like i'm i'm all like because that is how i live my life like do whatever the fuck you want as long as you're not negatively affecting other people yeah sometimes on the cancel culture front is like oh cancel culture is terrible yeah. but that's hurting other people in my opinion that's it is. you know to that extent it's like you know you can be a champion for whatever rights you want but once you start bashing someone who uh like as soon as you start bashing someone period you know, so it's like, let's say you're cheering for women's rights. You're like, yeah, 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 go queen, go. And then like a dude says like, hey, I don't think she should be able to beat her husband and get away with it. And you're like, woman hater, fuck you, dude. Like you're, well, now you're hurting his feelings for expressing something that's actually a reasonable thought, <laughs> you know? Right, right. <laughs> especially when it's like, oh, hey, we're going to ruin someone's livelihood over this. Right. Especially, I mean, you know, this is the conversation of comedy in general right now and media, cancel culture what's the context <laughs> right <laughs> well, and that's the problem is it's so fucking black and white people don't like look at the context like you know fairly recently the whole tony henchcliffe thing happened yeah. down here and it's like well you took a snippet of his bit yeah and judged him on that like was tony being malicious like on a stage People say horrible fucking things to get a laugh. That yeah. doesn't mean that's a true thought. Right. And his actions prove that he dis he does not agree with the thing that he said. You know, like that particular particular comedian, he worked with many times before for years. Anytime him or any of the crew would go through the Dallas area, they would hit him up to do a, a guest host or feature spot. Um, and you know, they, anytime he'd come to Austin, he could text any of them and be like, Hey, I want to come on Kill Tony. I want to come on secret show. And they're like, cool, you're on. And that was it. So it was, that was a very difficult thing to see. Um, I had someone asking me about that earlier. Like, uh, there were, was it you, was it us talking about it? No, it was, it was before I came over here. Um, we were talking about it and they were like, what do you think is going to happen to the guy that did that? And I was like, he'll still get booked for sure. Well, yeah, and that, but, I'm, a, I'm of two minds on that too. It's like, do you really want to book someone who's going to like try to throw someone under a bus like that? But also, like, do you want to kill that guy's livelihood? Exactly, that, and that's kind of where I sit with it. But it was like, you know, at least the 
the thought process I've heard from a lot of the actual comedians who make money in the industry after that happened about that particular person are saying exactly what you said. How can we trust him now that he's done it to one of us? And even at, at Vulcan, if you're a comedian on the show, you still have to get your phone bagged now. Like they, they I, if you didn't get your bag, your phone bag, good for you. Oh, but, I didn't get my phone bag. Yeah. But also like, I mean, I don't get mine bag, but I'm, you know, working with big laughs. So like, it's okay. But like oh, certain, like they basically try and bag as many phones as they can. Woo. Caught that sneeze. It sounded like I was about to cry. Um, She's so upset about the phone bag. Oh, it's so sad. I need my baby. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously. Just mainline that shit. <sighs> yeah. All that dopamine, please. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it, it caused uh, disruption in the trust even of the comedians, which shouldn't happen. You know, you're all supposed to just kind of be on the same team. And like, especially in that circumstance, yeah, I don't like the word that Tony said, but the history of that person's working relationship with him should have merited at least a private conversation between the two of them before anything got posted. If he was actually offended. If he I, was actually offended. I felt like it was more clout chasing than actually offense. Right. Well, cause you, I mean, you watch the TM, if you watch the TMZ interview, he's, he actually says like, I'm not upset about any of this. I just didn't like the one word. So it's like, bro. Yeah. That should have been a backstage conversation that went fucking nope. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not, but I will say Tony sets since that happened, since he's been back on stage, he murders like never before. And he already was hilarious and would already bring the house down. But last last night and last week, I watched his sets. Standing ovation at the end. He's killing, dude. Oh, yeah. I saw part of his set last night. And he was even acknowledged. He's like, nothing like getting canceled to make you work harder. To get better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. Like, yeah, it, I heard him mentioning like what people were saying to him on Twitter. He's like, I would refresh. He, I could refresh my notifications every five minutes. And it's another 20 people calling me racist all day, every day. Well, and what's that wild sucks, is dude, that sucks. That absolutely sucks. And what's also wild is he got dropped by his fucking agency. Yeah. Like he had real world consequences, like financial and otherwise <laughs> yeah. for, you know, making a little goof on stage, like just a lapse in judgment. Right. Like it'd be a whole nother thing. If like, he, this is how he really thought, and he was like throwing hate speech out on stage. Right. But intent is so fucking important, and that's yeah. what, what I'm getting back to. Is like a lot of people just gloss right over fucking intent. Right. They just hear the words, and you cannot say that. And they turn on each other too. Like that's a common theme that I hear a lot of people talking about. Is like who's the wokest, and if you don't agree with the most woke thing, then you're probably going to get canceled next. There's no end to it. There's no logic anymore. It's just like, who can be the most supportive while also bashing? Bashing the unsupportive people. Like, yeah. <laughs> once again, why I love podcasting. Come for me. Come <laughs> for me. I could use the hits. Right. Give me the PR, please. Yeah. It's, it's not good. It's not. And where does it end is the question. I think it... I've mentioned this on my podcast before. I think it really comes down to people um, understanding that you are not your opinions. And that's something that people can understand in theory, but they don't actually get behind. Like, and even, or they maybe just don't even understand it in theory because, you know, who am I without these beliefs, right? But also, if you're a reasonably intelligent mammal, your opinions could change. I used to slut shame people 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm uh, you know, fairly woke when it comes to sex now. Right. Oh, God, that felt dirty to even say it. That 
Oh God, that's not ending up in the fucking final cut. That's so gross. That's so gross. Oh, 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 oh. See the goosebumps from that? Like, yeah, your hair is growing right now. Oh, oh. Just bleep that out. But you know, you should be able to be presented with new facts and yeah. change opinions. These, they're, that's why they're fucking opinions and they're not fucking facts. Yeah, I just think. You see it all the time. Like, I just think people dig themselves so far into one thing that if it like it's it's literally world shattering. If you get a wake up call to an opinion that you had that you suddenly are forced to realize is not real, (laughs) you know, like it, it just at a certain point people want to think they know something <laughs> and sticking to an opinion is a really easy way to do that. And it, it's difficult and harder, you know, physically and neurologically as you get older to change habits and opinions. You know, if you've been doing the same thing for 20 years, it's a pretty fucking strong highway you've built in your neurons to keep doing that thing. Well, why do you think I still wear metal t-shirts everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting in a metal t-shirt. If it were a house right now, there's so many. <laughs> this isn't even my house. I know, but you look like you live here. <laughs> Bobby's roommate. I was like, oh, it's another one of you guys. It's the same. <laughs> All three of you guys. It was just like, y'all are in a band. <laughs> it's just the same thing. No, this house is too clean for a bunch of band dudes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. There's less dust than there would be otherwise. <laughs> Or just drug paraphernalia. Drug par- yeah. There's a lot of alcohol paraphernalia, but nothing really else. Yeah, just a, a little just, bit. Just a touch. Yeah. Just a skosh. <laughs> yeah, it's all fucking horror movies that are up on the, the walls around here, too. That's okay. Why did you used to be one of those guys that would go moshing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my professional name is Matt Slayer. Come right. On. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it, it's my shitty high school nickname. Like, my first day on a porn set, like, what name do we put? I'm like, Matt Slayer. Have you been in porn before? Oh, I'm an AVN nominee. What? Did you not know that? No. Oh, yeah. I was nominated for best non-sex performance in 2018. What the fuck? We won best comedy for Jews Love Black Cock. Wait, so you're in porns, but you're not one of the guys fucking? Yes. That is amazing, dude. <laughs> like, I, I hear people do jokes about that all the time, but I've never met someone who actually does that. Oh, yeah. And nominated for it. Thank you. Yeah, dude. <laughs> What's your favorite role you've ever played? Uh, Rabbi Mordecai was pretty fun. Yeah. That was also like a weird role because one of the performers was someone I used to date and she's playing my daughter. <laughs> she's, she played your daughter. No. And I'm like, motherfucker, you're only like four years younger than me. I either aged really shitty or you aged really well or both. Right. Like, you're playing my fucking daughter. Yikes. That's so, that's so interesting. I mean, pretty much everything else is like just been small bit parts. Like, you know, I've played, I've played waiters. I've played like, <laughs> uh, you know, party, you know, dudes at parties and like group shots and shit like that. How do you even get into that? Just being around porn. Being around it. And you're like, oh, I can make some money. Is this being an extra? Well, okay. My audience I mean, definitely heard always... my, my porno origin stories. Okay. But so back in Chicago, I used to party with, a bunch of performers for Burning Angel, which okay. is like all tattooed porn stars. Right. There's like seven girls that worked for BA in Chicago at the time. And okay. through them, I just met other people. I was working security at the time. So I started going out on the road and like providing security for performers when they do feature gig dances gotcha. and shit like that. And then porn's just kind of like comedy where it's a pretty tight knit community. Yeah, like, it seems like it. And especially when you're a dude and you come around and like, oh, you're not a giant creep. Right. <laughs> Similar like, to comedy. 
<laughs> oh, you're not a giant creep. So yeah, we'll keep bringing you around for shit. Right. And just from there, like, I ended up working production, end up in front of the camera. Like for Jews Love Black Cock, Joanna Angel was very adamant that if you didn't have a black cock, you were actually Jewish. <laughs> Are you actually Jewish? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I actually beat out multiple avian award-winning Tommy Pistol for the role because Tommy is not Jewish. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, Joanna hit me up and she's like, Matt, can you actually act? I'm like, I think so. I could try. I could definitely try. <laughs> She kind of regretted it a little bit. It's like it took. I, I speak in like kind of a you know Hasidic Jew accent in like <laughs> in the movie, and it took so many fucking takes for me to get that accent Yikes. constant. Can you do it right now? No, fuck no. Ah, oh, I don't even know what that is because that's like a, a weird niche New York accent, yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm wearing the yarmulke and like <laughs> like Joanna Black Cock. I love Black Cock. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I kind of see what. Yeah, yeah like. I, mean, I still butchered it right there, but like that was like I, can, the I see where you're going. That's with like it. the gist of it. Yeah, that's like, funny. And yeah, we, we won best comedy. I got to bomb in front of Doug Benson and the whole fucking industry when the, I accepted the award. Did they try to get you to do stand up as your speech? No. So uh, sorry, audience. You guys have definitely heard this a lot of times. I'm sorry, audience. I haven't. <laughs> so every other like movie ensemble, uh, like the whole cast went up. Right. So we win Best Comedy. I'm sitting fourth row center at the award show, dressed like a rabbi. <laughs> like, I'm wearing, like, the big furry hat with the curls. And, right. Like, I thought I walked on stage. According to Showtime and the footage, I ran on stage. <laughs> Fuck yeah! <laughs> and I was expecting the rest of the cast to come up with me. I was going to just stand in back. A Bella Danger, a bunch of the other cast were, like, in the front row. And they hand me the trophy. And I have no idea what the fuck to say. Like, holy shit, we won. Shalom, AVN. Oh, no. And the worst, it's the weirdest. Like, I am not a stand-up. I am right. never, I, I I love what you guys do. I can't do it. Right. But it was such a weird, exhilarating experience to be bombing like that because I have a bunch of friends giving me standing ovations as I'm bombing. Right, because they're, like, happy that you got the award, but please shut up. Yeah, it's like, holy shit, Slayer's on stage dressed like a fucking rabbi. Yeah. Oh shit, he's talking. Stop. They're, they're still giving me a standing ovation. So it's like, maybe I could be a stand up. I'm going to standing <laughs> ovations while I bomb in front of the entire industry. Dude, I feel like most like stand up origin stories are like that. You like to give a speech in a non stand up comedy context and someone laughs and you're like, I could do stand up. I know better. I, I honestly know better. But in that moment, I'm like, I'm getting standing ovations as I bomb in front of the entire adult entertainment industry on Showtime right now. And my speech ends with, where the fuck is Joanna Angel? Oh, God. So she eventually makes it up to stage, just a real speech. Yeah, okay. And then we go backstage, and she is fucking furious at me. So, <laughs> Bro, why, didn't, why did you let me talk so long? You should have come up. Exactly. Exactly. And the worst part about it was, like, it, their publicist was, like, blowing up my phone. Like, Matt, what are you doing? Matt, like, because this is the first year AVN was live streamed. Right. So it's... There are people watching this on the internet happen, including Bobby. Bobby's like, dude, I can't believe that just happened. Oh my God. I can't believe that just fucking happened. I'm like, to Bobby Dean, whose house we're in. Yes. yes. Multiple time guest Robert Dean. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was crazy. And like, I had to apologize a lot. And then I had to go back to a podcast she had done with me before ABN, where she said, if we win, I could go on stage. Oh my God. You're like, here's the reference. bitch. Like, no, no, no. You said, if we win, I could go on stage. <laughs> 
I was just expecting the rest of the cast. And also, a super embarrassing side moment that came out of that was, ran into Doug Benson like a week and a half later at the store, and I was there on a date, and I went to say hi to Doug, and he had no clue what had happened. Oh, no. But you, he was clearly like, you saw him in the audience when you were giving the speech, right? No, Doug presented the award. Oh, okay, okay. He was on stage with me. Oh, fuck. It was Doug but Benson. You forgot who you were. Yeah. Like, I'm on a date, like, oh, there's Doug Benson. Let me go say hi to Doug. Like, we just had this, like, wacky thing that happened. Like, right. You know, I know Doug smokes a lot of weed, and, like, a, he's on stage a lot, but it's not every day that, like, some dude just as a rabbi comes and takes a porn award from him. Yeah. Wow. Not a clue. Dude, that was a thing I never realized until I started going to the comedy store was, like, how intertwined the porn and comedy industries are. Like, because I think they're so similar in a lot of ways. Like you said, they're tight-knit, and it's a very specific type of person in each of them. They kind of congregate together at the store, and it's really weird. Oh, I love it. I mean, it's that's, great, but it's also like I wasn't expecting that when I showed up. You know, I mean, like, why do you think I know Red Band? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Like, uh, Brandon was like, when we were after the show, he's like, "Oh yeah, me and Bre Red Band were talking about it, like how you two know each other." I'm like, "Yeah, man. Like, yeah. I, I told you, I know him. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know Brian. I know Tony. Like, they've been on the show. I've known those guys for years. Right? How uh, I met Red Band at an AVN." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I didn't know uh, Red Band was such a fan of the strip clubs in Austin until they moved here, and he won't shut up about the Red Rose and the Yellow Rose. <laughs> and then I started making friends with some of the women that work at those, and I was like, oh, but y'all are, like, cool as shit. No wonder he likes to go to those, because, like, y'all are beautiful, but also you're just fun to hang out with. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> That's why he thinks they're the best. <laughs> the LA strip clubs suck. I work really? in them sometimes, and they suck. What? Is it, like... I've never been to one. I've never been to a strip club at all, actually. Like, I tr I know. Like, if Bobby's show gets picked up, that has to be your adventure. Like, I know. <laughs> take Allie to a strip club. Well, I almost went with uh, Reed Becker and Gary Faust, like, a few months ago. Like, right when Reed first started coming up to Austin, they were like, Allison, we're going to Red Rose tonight. And I was like, I have to train someone in the morning. <laughs> no, no. You, I was responsible and I left. You gotta do that on camera. The first time has to be on camera. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't even know what to expect. Like, when I hear women talking about, like, all the stuff that actually happens at strip clubs, I was like, oh, like, we're actually seeing pussies in this bitch. I didn't realize. Oh, I mean, it depends <laughs> on the club. Depends on, like, strip clubs are wildly different depending on where you go in this country. All right, yeah, yeah. As someone who has, like, professionally been in them yeah. all over the country, they are wildly different. Does it depend? Do you have you noticed like is it location wise at all? Like is the Bible Belt more conservative or is it like just the owner happens to decide how? Oh, it's it's local ordinances, but like generally the South is the wild fucking clubs. Atlanta, really? Atlanta is crazy for strip clubs. <laughs> the Pink Pony's legendary. Like that's funny. Florida, Florida's like as a consumer. The first strip club I was ever in was in fucking South, like in Miami. Oh, yeah. That must have been insane. That utterly insane. And like. Because there's real clubs in Miami, too. Like Austinites think that they have real clubs. We don't have real clubs in Austin. Like you got to go to a real city like New York or Miami for that shit. Well, strip clubs down there are just fucking wild. Because all I knew about strip clubs at the time was like what you saw on movies and TV. Yeah. And like I'm there on a business trip. I'm with my boss and I'm 20. This is when you were in corporate. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I'm 20, and it's a 21 and up club that just brought me in. Because, like, <laughs> I'm there with the regional manager, my direct boss. And they're like, we're going to strip club. I'm like, I'm, I'm 20, guys. They're like, yeah. we'll see what happens. And we just, like, I'm here with these two older dudes. So we just walk in. That's so funny. And, like, this club was full nude, full alcohol. And the performers encouraged you to touch them. Oh, shit. So I'm getting a lap dance, just kind of, like, hands on my hips. Like, right. you know, 
I, I, some dude with no neck's gonna beat the shit out of me yeah. if I touch this woman. Yeah. And she's like, you know you can touch me. I'm like, uh, okay. okay. Thank you. Cool. <laughs> and like, this is the kind of club that was wild. And like, there was full on, full service happening in like champagne rooms. Like, oh, I, wow. I kind of like, oh yeah, that dude's definitely getting his dick sucked right now. Like, <laughs> it all depends on where you are. Like, yeah. LA proper, there's no, in California as a state, if, the performers within 50 feet of the audience, they technically cannot have nudity and alcohol. Oh, okay. Uh, A lot of places skirt that. So they have to keep you like a certain distance away from the performer to be able to serve alcohol. With nudity. Otherwise, they're bikini bars with full alcohol. That's so weird. Right, with liberal ass California. Yeah. And then down here, like, they're definitely full nude. Oh, they're full nude, yeah. Full nude, full alcohol clubs down here. Yeah. And it's like, like, People are like, the Yellow Rose has great brunch. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do at 10 (laughs) a.m. Go order the steak and eggs and watch a girl's tits bounce around. That's great. (laughs) Mm -mm -mm. Good eating. It's been sitting on a hot plate, just mm. uh, yeah. I mean, those women. I you know, I have a I have a friend who is a top user on OnlyFans, and that bitch is business savvy. Oh, you have to. They be. know what the fuck they're doing. Like the fact that society has branded them as just like you know throwing around their bodies for whatever money they can get is so wrong. Like they are some of the smartest business people you'll ever meet. One hundred percent. And like I tell anyone who even remotely considering getting into adult entertainment at this point. Like you better be ready to be your own fucking production house. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> like the OnlyFans is hurting the industry so much on like actual production. Cause like top tier OnlyFans performers are making hundred thousand a month. Yeah. Why the fuck would you ever show up on a set again? Right. Fuck some dude that you don't know. And that's with, they're making that much money after I was talking to that friend. She's like, OnlyFans take 16% of every transaction. That is such bullshit. And they're still making six figures a month if they're a top performer on that right. platform. Hell, it's insane. During the pandemic, even like your local waitress or bartender was jumping on the OnlyFans train and like basically in their regulars to pay the jerk off to them. But right. they're still making rent on it. Right. Yeah, dude. I. <laughs> I had a guy DM me on Instagram while I was living with my parents asking for me to send him socks. Like we're, he was like $70 a pair. I want two pairs a week. And I was like, I hope you fucking took it, dude. I showed it to my dad and my, my dad was like, you better take that. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I messaged him back and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Like, what do you want? Like, you want me to work out in them or what? And he was just like, he was just like, yeah, work out in them and meet me. Like, where in LA do you live? I'll meet up with you. And I was like, oh no, this guy's trying to like see me in person. That's yeah, no, I was no, like, I can't do it. No, hard pass on that. Yeah. Like, bro. If he wanted me to ship him, I fucking would have been making rent on my dirty ass socks. Oh yeah. And pro tip for anyone out there, after you soil them, put them in a Ziploc and put them in the freezer. So they stay the same as like if they're fresh. That's so funny. Yeah. Most of my friends, like you roll over to the place, they'll have like Ziplocs full of panties in their fucking freezers. <laughs> I'm just pulling oh back God. the curtain for you. Sorry. Yikes. That's so funny. I mean, yeah. Someone mentioned, uh, someone did a joke about like the one that you can send, like it connects you, like the underwear site that connects you with people looking for dirty underwear. And I was like, can you say that URL again, please? <laughs> I'm super down, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fucking make that money. Fucking like, make the money, dude. Uh, yeah. Although I will not send feet pictures because I have a tattoo on my, both of my feet. And so people will know that they're mine. So actually, I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> your fucking feet. <laughs> to me, I, yeah, I was like, Oh, whatever. It's just a picture of my feet. All I right. just didn't want any identifiers. Why? It's your, you're going to go do a corporate job after this. <laughs> I literally got 
not in a, not into a fight, just a conversation, but it felt like a fight to me with my mom. <laughs> Because she was like, she said something about like, I like posted something dumb on the internet and she saw it. Everything that I post on the internet is dumb, but whatever it was, she like got upset about it. And she was like, what if you, you know, what if you go to get a corporate job in a few years and uh, the the guy's like, they don't hire you because they dig this thing up. And I was like, well, then I don't want to work for them. (laughs) Well, you don't want to work for them and be... Thanks for supporting my comedy career, mom. I know. I was like, and also, if I ever have to go get a real job, I'm going to be a fucking barista. (laughs) Probably try to do it in Europe somewhere so I like where I'm living at a low wage. (laughs) You know? (laughs) That Mediterranean climate, just like... Be in Spain somewhere, like oh, okay, yeah, do fuck this. it, I can, I can learn Catalan. I, I like Barcelona. We'll learn the fucked up Spanish they speak there. You gotta learn to roll your R's and yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, Barcelona. Oh yeah, the, <laughs> the no, they're the more the, the, the slur, like dude. Well, Catalan Spanish sounds like it's literally a mix between French and Spanish, and I just called it like uh, I called it um, uh, ter- like Spanish Tourette's. Like it just. It, <laughs> hearing it you're just like was that you sounded like you were making up gibberish with a spanish accent like it's it's such a weird language i had to have people write shit down for me to understand what they were trying to say when i was in that part were you just in barcelona or uh we were in barcelona that was one of the other new year's trips i did with baldo um and alex came with us for that one and uh yeah we started in barcelona we were there for a few days and then as soon as you get out they speak regular spanish and we went madrid to portugal back around i've been to madrid and like down to the mediterranean coast mm-hmm. buddy of mine got married there a couple of years back great time i want to go back it's so pretty dude i want to go and spend um i want to go spend more time in portugal because the drugs are legal uh every drug is legal there I first know. of all <laughs> yeah I, yeah um and it's also cheaper there and everyone's nice and speaks perfect english which like isn't like i don't care if the country speaks english or not but like i don't speak portuguese and so it would have been more difficult if if that wasn't the case but yeah Yeah. i don't like like i mean i speak spanish so like i love going to spanish-speaking countries and not having to speak english for a little bit but like you know portugal was just like fuck why didn't we spend more time here it's gorgeous like the the architecture, the beaches, there's caves in the south. Like Praia de Benegil is so pretty. There's just the fucking huge ass caves that look fake. You can free camp on top of them. It's safe. All right. I'm going to Portugal. It's so pretty, dude. Actually, I was supposed to go to Portugal before the pandemic hit because it was the five year anniversary of my friends getting married. And they're like, we're going to start in Lisbon and then we're going to work out to Madrid, back down to the coast where we got married. I'm like, yeah. I'm in. Fuck yeah. And then Lisbon's great. And there's a town north of it, a couple hours called, called Porto. And that's where like a lot of people were telling me to go to. So I want to do a trip where I actually just go into Lisbon and head up to Porto for a bit and just kind of experience those. But all of Portugal is so pretty. Um, have you met Nasia Marrero? She's a, she's a comedian in town. I have not. No. Um, she's Portuguese and she like posted some pictures from where she was of where she was from. And it looks just like the fucking caves that I visited. And I was like, dude, your childhood was the postcard that I created. (laughs) I mean, why did you ever leave, dude? It's so, it's so pretty. And the food's amazing. I'm sure their comedy scene isn't as good. (laughs) Probably not. Yeah. She, uh, she, she had an interesting life. She married, she ended up marrying a guy that she was a flight attendant, like based in the middle East, I think for a little bit. And she met her now husband while he was stationed over there. <laughs> He's American, so they're here now. <laughs> she does comedy. And she's very funny. Hell yeah! Hell yeah, it's, that's half the fun with comedians. Like hearing how they ended up at the dance, right? <laughs> yeah, everyone's uh, everyone's got a different story. Yeah, it's much like porn, like that. Where like 
Most people are like when they're asked, "Is like, what do you want to be with a girl?" Most people are not saying, you know, porn star or comedian or comedian. Yeah, either one. I I'm actually shocked at how many people are like, I grew up watching comedy and I wanted to do it. I was like, I didn't know that was a job you could have. I didn't know acting was a job you could have. And like, and I wanted to be an actor. Like, I was I was a theater kid. And it just seemed so impossible to me that I would get paid for it. And I went to college for college for it. I studied it. I was pretty good at it, but I still was like, how could you ever, <laughs> you know, it's a difficult industry, but I just, you know, you, you think that's like a fairy tale job. I 100% agree. Like it's a part of the reason I ended up in pornography because I wanted to make film and I met pornographers. I didn't meet anyone who actually did films. Right. <laughs> Like, well, I guess, you know, making porn is a kind of a compromise on making film. <laughs> and, you know, that's what it is. But the, one of that is one of the things I absolutely love about L.A. And, like, will love till I event, if I ever leave L.A. I hope to never leave. Yeah. Is everyone I'm, who moved to fucking L.A. had a reason to fucking be there. Right. And when you're there and you start to develop your tribe, you're like, people start to get some success as they stick around. Right. Like, one of my buddies who used to like DJ metal nights back in Chicago was a VP for a fucking record label. Uh, oh, that's so cool. Another one of my buddies has like been on NCIS, been on The Punisher. Like they're not huge roles, but right. he's still a working actor. You're getting paid to act. Yeah. That's, I also appreciate that you're someone who likes LA because I feel like I just meet so many people that are like, yeah, fuck LA, but I live here because I have to. And I'm just like, okay, it's the same way I feel about people who like live in Austin and say they hate it. I'm like, so why are you here? Like I, I get, I guess if your industry is here and you really fucking want to do it in the industry, but like, where's the trade-off of like, I like it here. And also I like the industry I'm in, <laughs> you know? I mean, there are definitely no places perfect. Right. No, LA is expensive as fuck. Especially right. when I was looking at housing, like while well, Bobby was trying to convince me to move down here, I'm like, fuck, for <laughs> half of my rent in LA, I could have a house. Right. <laughs> it won't be downtown, but I could have a house. You'll be slightly, and it's still like a shorter commute than if you were in LA. Oh yeah. <laughs> I live... Five miles from the comedy store at the wrong time of day. That's a 45 minute track. Yeah. Oh no. I've Hollywood and West Hollywood and that whole fucking area is a mess yeah. during well, traffic. Oh, it's so bad. It's so fucking bad. And as we get into LA cliches. Right. I mean, it's, a, you know, there's just so many people there. Like it's the same problem you see here. Like people, like sh people from LA shit on the traffic here, but it's the same problem at a smaller scale at this point. Like there's too many people for the number of roads that were built. Well, with LA also, they had no fucking plan when they made the city. Same with Austin, though. They're literally still winging it. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is with LA proper, there's no space to wing it anymore. Right. That's true. They grew it out so far. Well, and if you look at the history of LA, it's like all of LA was a bunch of different subdivisions that they all kind of glommed together to make incorporate Los Angeles. And that's why West Hollywood is surrounded by LA on all sides. Beverly Hills is surrounded by LA on all sides. That's true. Because they're not incorporated into the LA proper. And people don't realize like when you, cause I didn't realize until I went to LA for the first time, like describe like the reason people ask you what part of LA are you from is because everything's so fucking far, whether it's traffic or literal distance, <laughs> that whole County is so big geographically, just size wise. It's a big place. And then, you know, like on a, like you said, on a bad day, a five minute drive turns into 45 minutes, let alone if you're staying in Venice and trying to get to the comedy store to sign up for potluck, that's a two hour drive. Easy. Yeah. Especially and without traffic, it's 20 minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of the things I love about LA though. Cause like anyone who's like, Oh fuck LA. I'm like, you just haven't found your neighborhood because that's true. It was so slapped together. It's like, 
oh, the neighborhoods are wildly different from architecture, from feel. And there's a neighborhood for everyone. Exactly. Like, yeah. You want to live in little New York? Go to downtown LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want kind of you know, grimy walkable? Come to Hollywood. Right. Come to my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like Hollywood. I liked I liked Venice when I visited before it was completely a tent city. I haven't been there in the last year. Oh, it was a tent city well before that. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like well, okay, the friend that I used to visit lived near Abbott Kenny, like right after it got gentrified. Oh. So it was like nice for a little bit before it turned into a tent city again. And I saw it kind of turn back into that and I'm like, oh fuck, this sucks. See, first time I went to LA was in 2008. All I saw was fucking Venice. I hated LA. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Fucking hated Venice LA. Venice seems like one of those city those areas of the city though where it's like either you love it or you hate it. Cause it's like kind of like if a surf town had money. But this the shacks are still shitty. Oh, my buddies. Two of my friends were living in a converted two-car garage five blocks off from Venice Beach. And they were probably paying like 2500 a month 1500 total. in 2008. Okay, 1500 Okay, yeah, between the two of them. So, yeah. 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 Literally, they didn't have a door. They had a padlock on a chain-link fence to lock their, their place. <laughs> that is the most fucking L.A. bullshit I've ever heard. <laughs> like, someone was in the main house, and like, it was the two of them, two dogs, a cat, a snake... Like, and I'm like, I I had a condo in Chicago at the time. Yeah. And I'm like, y'all are paying more than my condo. I yeah. have a 1,200 square foot, two bedroom, two bath condo. <laughs> and they take me over to like right by the Venice sign to get right. drinks and stuff like that. Like, how much is fucking alcohol in this town? I mean, knowing now that like that's a horrible tourist trap right. is part of it. But at the time, like the sticker shock on everything. And then I'm a night owl. And Venice especially fucking shuts down late night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not a city city. LA is just weird like that though. There's only certain pockets that have actual nightlife. Well, they have actual nightlife and also just like once once you're there, you learn like the little holes in the wall that are like open twenty four hours. It's like, right. oh, okay. I can get Korean barbecue in the middle of the night. It's cool. Right. <laughs> and that's one of the other things that when people are like, fuck LA, I'm like, LA is a horrible place to visit. You don't never want to visit LA. <laughs> That's fair. What makes LA fucking magical is the opportunities that just randomly come up. Right. I was just pre-pandemic, like hanging out. I saw the store was posting like, oh, special guest tonight. I got to see Damon Wayans do stand up for the first time in eight years. Holy shit. He's touring again now too. Yeah. That was his first night back in eight years in the belly room. Wow. Just because I fucking showed up. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of awkward to say now, but I went to Louis C.K.'s taping. Yeah. Like when was that? uh, His live at the comedy store taping. I got to see. Oh, damn. I got to see that. Like these sort of things, like you just get to do in LA. Yeah. But if you're visiting, you're ne- unless you're dumb lucky and know somebody, right? You're never gonna be. I there was with- I was dumb lucky and knew someone. Like it, it wasn't even knew someone who was like famous or anything. It was just my friend lived there, and so she like would tell me where to go or b- bring me places. Exactly. And so my week long visits would feel like oh shit, this is what it's like to live here. You just stumble upon shit all the time, and it's so cool. Exactly. Exactly. That's why, as much as Bobby hates LA, he has a good time every time he comes to visit. Right. Me. Yeah. But. If you're just like a tourist who has no fucking idea, our tourist attractions are fucking atrocious. Oh, they're gross? Dude, like, I, this just popped into my head. You know Jeff Goldblum plays, like, jazz music on Wednesday nights at some random fucking bar? Yep. Yeah, I didn't... I knew that because one of the Austin comedians, Doug Mellard, who started here, now lives in L.A., and he, like, goes to that every Wednesday. <laughs> and he was in town, and he's like, oh, yeah, like, Jeff Goldblum, like, before he's in the green room telling me this on, on a show one time, and I was like, what the fuck? Fred Durst hosts a live jazz night every Thursday. <laughs> like people are just 
people. They're doing their shit in LA just like, and they just happen to have more Instagram followers than you. Exactly. It's kind and of like it. nights like that, like I haven't been to it yet, but I've been really wanting to. Like Lady Gaga just popped in for it like at one point. Like this is the kind of shit that happens in LA and nowhere fucking else. Maybe right. New York. Right. Maybe. Yeah. And that's, that's so weird. yeah. Yeah, you know, me and Bobby were talking about this last night. He's like, no, Austin's got all that shit. I'm like, no, Austin does not have all that shit. Austin is starting to have it for comedy specifically because people are coming through to do comedy in Austin. Well, and he's just like, oh no, we got you beat hands down on music. I'm like, we we got you beat hands down on like live Austin type music that is just always happening outside <laughs> on Sixth Street, like. The, the band that warmed up for Secret Show last night, Nether Hour, I hadn't seen them yet, and I showed up early to watch them, and they sound exactly like every band you will hear walking down 6th Street, which I love. I thought they were great. I had a blast. But it's a very particular sound of music that comes from Austin. And like, yeah, maybe you'll get Shaky Graves to drop in, or like, you know, Willie Nelson used to drop in. I don't know when the last time was that he did shit like that, but it's like, it's not where you could get anyone from any genre in any place at any time. Or Johnny Depp jumping on stage at the fucking Viper Room. Right. Like, like oh, hey, Johnny Depp is playing Ultimate Jam Night this week. Okay. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Give him 10. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is the kind of shit that just happens in LA. It's what makes LA magical. Like, and just randomly coming across people. Like, I got a podcast client driving a fucking Uber. Yeah, that's the other shit too, right? They're like, oh, what, is this your main gig? No, I also do podcast production. And then they're just like, oh, cool, I'll pay you for that. Right, well, like it was Corinne Olympos' manager from The Bachelor. So oh, we pick shit. Up, we pick up Corinne and I drive them to a Dodgers game. Corinne ended up getting picked up by a podcast network, but he referred me to one of his other clients. Like, Oh, my gosh. This is the kind of shit that just happens in LA. And like when people are like, oh, there's opportunities in Austin, I'm like, I don't feel the, the same opportunities in Austin. Yeah, I would say... It was very interesting. Like I've had a, this conversation with a lot of the LA comedians. Like I always felt the like big time professional opportunities when you're around all those people in LA. Right. And you still feel that cloud now that they're here. Um, but for my personal career, first of all, I started comedy three years ago. I told you this, I'm not that far into it. A year of that was in COVID. So like the skill that I developed during that was being able to roast people on the fly. Like I barely, that's a very important skill. It's a good skill. It helped my crowd work a ton. I'm way more comfortable on stage now that I can do that, but, and I'm still not the best, but I'm way better than I was before. And like, so I'm, I'm still considered a noob for sure. Like just kind of figuring out what I even should do on stage. And at least in comedy, but like, I always looked at it as I had a bunch of friends doing, because I, I, I went, I mean, I did study theater in college. A lot of the kids that graduated from my program went to LA immediately. They're still there. They're still doing the same auditions for the same 12 casting directors for the same types of roles that they've been doing since college. So it's been almost five years now. They're just now starting to get parts, right? That's how it works in the acting industry. And I just always felt like, okay, I'm going to watch their careers Maybe I'll eventually, if, if this comedy thing is really what I want to do, maybe I'll end up moving there to, to seek bigger opportunities. But I'm actually making more money doing local shows in Austin <laughs> than any of my friends are acting or stand up in LA. And so for me, I was like, I get at some point, like building a fan base and getting on TV is important. 
But as a beginner, I was like, I'm making money at this when my friends over there aren't. So why would I leave when I can get good here, make a little bit of extra money and then possibly move? So in that aspect, there's a lot more opportunity here, but it's smaller time opportunity. Right. Until Uh, recently. As a stand-up comic, I totally get that. But for someone like me, like... Podcast production? Fuck no. LA is the home of podcasts. Right. Between podcast production and I work in pornography. like Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not even legal to make here. Not even in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, not even legal to make in this fucking state. So like, I don't want to work in porn for the rest of my life. Sorry, audience, if that if you were like, but Matt, you're going to be a pornographer forever. Like, I, I honestly hope not. Do you still work in it a little oh, bit? Oh, I, I am currently on a crew for MindGeek, which is who owns Reality Kings Brazzers. Are you in front or behind the camera? Behind. What do you do? Do you do audio stuff for that too? I'm, porn production is so shoestring yeah. that like, Literally, I am the shooter director's fucking whatever he needs. Like, Matt, hold the boom. All right. Yeah. Matt, move these lights. Okay. Matt, go pick up the talent. Okay. Glorified intern. He's <laughs> a lot better than me than a glorified intern. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's. Uh, I always call myself a paid intern because I just like, I was telling you this before the show too. Like when I first started learning marketing shit, I, I was an intern and they basically like had me fill in the gaps for wherever they needed like different tech to be learned or whatever it was that they needed. So I got to learn how a whole marketing machine works, which I'm very thankful for. But even after I started getting paid for my work, it turned out that people really didn't know how anything worked (laughs) in a lot of the pieces. And I'm so detail oriented in certain ways that I was like, well, I know how to do that. I'll just do it really fast. (laughs) So like, even if I'm on a contract just to do your social media, like if you don't, if your email subject lines suck, you can ask me and I can help you. (laughs) I'm just like, I should be probably getting paid for this too, but <laughs> I know that pain. I know that pain with podcast production. Like, you know, my bottom tier service, like I'll just mix and master it. And then I, I'm going through it. And I'm still like cutting ohms, cutting long right. pauses. It's just like, I, I, my name's on this. I, 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 You're like, Hey, maybe you should use this as your YouTube thumbnail instead. <laughs> yeah, that, that shit too. Like, yeah, but... uh, well, and, and speaking of like television and like comedy and all that shit, because of things like YouTube, because of TikTok and all that shit, you don't have to go the LA route anymore to fucking Yeah, monetize. I mean, if you can figure out, like, especially, like, this is why I admire someone like Andrew Schultz. And, like, he does know marketing stuff. And he knew, you know, simple shit, but add captions to your videos and you're going to get a lot more views because people are probably scrolling their Instagram at work and they can't turn the sound on. So if yep. they can hear hear your joke through the lines that you wrote in the captions, they can still be entertained. They'll still engage with it. And so I really appreciate the people who do take the time to learn little things like that because it really does pay off in the end, especially at first when you're not making money at it and you're putting it out to get 500 views or even less. You know, it's it's painstaking and it hurts. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it definitely is. And that's why like pod fading is a super real thing where like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. Oh, shit. My friends and family won't even listen to this garbage. <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, I I helped start the How Do You Health podcast, which is the podcast that the Vitamin Lounge does. And it's got a decent listenership now for like a health podcast and stuff. But like, I did it for two years. I am, I will, I told them up front, I am not an audio engineer. (laughs) I barely know how to work. Like I was very good at Adobe Photoshop in high school. Maybe I can figure out Premiere. Like, and it was and it was not good quality. You go back and listen to the first few episodes, it's not good quality. And now we have like a legit soundboard with a guy who knows how to work it. And it's like, you know, suddenly we have listeners. Gee, I wonder why someone took the time to actually make it sound good and be worthwhile, you know? 
And it's like, you might have the best information in the world on the podcast, but if the audio is fuzzy, no one wants to listen to it. Exactly. Especially when like, oh, there's another health podcast right there. Right. Exactly. One that has the same information, but 10 times clearer audio. (laughs) Exactly. Because there is no barrier of entry, there's a lot of garbage out there. Right. I know. I will guest on all your garbage shows. Please book me. Right. (laughs) On that note, please pay me to start your podcast. (laughs) Well, pay me to produce your podcast, but I will just come guest on it. I don't care. (laughs) If you want me to come on your podcast, get drunk and say horrible things, I will. I will entertain your listeners with you, please. Just wind me up and let me go. I'll do it. <laughs> have you uh, have you been a guest on a lot of podcasts then? Uh, a fair amount. You know, it's one of those things where like, I'm not famous. So it's right. like, wait a minute, so you, you want to book the guy who just talks to porn stars and drinks? Uh, I guess. Could be good content, maybe. Could be good. Con- I mean, I, I've done a handful of other people's podcasts. I'm like, it's always fun to not be in the driver's seat for them. Right. But sometimes it's like, are, are you going to ask me anything? Like- yeah. <laughs> sometimes like I'm still learning this. Like I luckily am a pretty easy interviewer. Like, I mean, you were shocked that I looked up this podcast before I came, <laughs> you know? So many people don't. <laughs> so many people are like, wait, I can talk back to you. <laughs> You're not just going to sit here and ask me questions the whole time. Right. Well, and especially with the porn folk, I'm very, very adamant about like not asking stereotypical porn questions, like how you got into your family. No, like how you lost your virginity. Like yeah. these are the things that like almost every major porn outlet asks performers. Right. And so I won't ask any of that. I'm like, so what's the last show you went to? And they're like, well, well I, I don't remember. I wasn't ready for that question. Like, <laughs> let me think. No, where's your favorite travel destination? Like, <laughs> Human questions? Trying to get me to know me as a person? Huh? One of my favorite questions, I mean, my my podcast is only a few episodes in, um, and I I want it to be like real conversation. Like, I love this, right? So I, I love doing conversations like this on the podcast, but... I'm also getting paired with like, since Big Laugh is producing it, I'm getting paired with people that I, I know of, but I don't necessarily know. And they for sure don't know of me unless they've seen me at Big Laugh shows, you know? And so um, I've, I've liked kind of that position right now of like newbie comedian who knows a lot about the industry, but like I for sure know more about you than you know about me. And so I can come into it with interview questions ready, but if it turns into this, it's totally fine because it's also good content. But one of my favorite questions that I've been asking, especially people that I don't know, is how do I know you? How long have we known each other? <laughs> because like Eric D'Alessandro was on the show and he's like, he's got a good following on YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff. He's been hanging around Big Laugh and I said hi to him in the green room like a couple of times. <laughs> and then Brandon from Big Laugh was like, hey, we're going to get Eric on your show. <laughs> and so the, the, we hit record and I was like, okay, Eric, um, how, do we, how do we know each other and how well do we know each other and how long has it been? And he was just like, do you want me to answer sincerely or do you want me to make something up? I was like, no, before we get into this possibly awkward conversation, <laughs> tell me. See, never have me on your show because I will say something horrible like, <laughs> well, you just rolled out of bed at my place this morning. I mean, how long have we known each other? I'll be like, Gary, cut that shit. <laughs> well, I, Alex friend, can't see this. <laughs> I would just say something horrible. I honestly that would just be good content that would probably be one that i would be like please don't make that a youtube clip and they'd for sure make it a youtube clip <laughs> i would not mark that time stamp down and they'd be like we need to find that one well hell i had brandon from big laugh on yesterday yeah and i got a dui story out of him oh shit i need to ask him about that 
Or you could listen to the podcast. <laughs> or I could listen to the podcast. I'll listen to the podcast. You guys should listen to that episode too. Brandon's fun. Oh, Brandon's fun. But I got a DUI story and I always know it's going to be a good story when the married guy has to preface it with, honey, I love you. This <laughs> happened before we met. <laughs> yeah, you have to preface that a lot of stuff with that sometimes, especially because he's been married for like 11 years or something now. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I always know like when you have to give the significant other who's probably never going to listen like, to this mom, content. I'm so sorry. Oh, my mom listens to this. So <laughs> my mom listens to me like, oh, yeah, I had unprotected sex with that person. Eh, sorry, mom. Dude, I was talking to a comedian the other day that was like, he was like, I'm 30. And I got a phone call from my mom the other day who found out I did cocaine from my cousin. <laughs> and my mom was like, do I need to come down there and whoop you? And I was like, no, mom, I'm 30. <laughs> you don't pay any of my bills. <laughs> mom, are you buying all. me the cocaine? Is it bad cocaine? Yeah, that, like, is it laced? Right. <laughs> See, my mom's cool. She was just like, I'm just happy to hear that you're getting laid. Oh, <laughs> were your parents always like sex positive like that, though? Not when they were together. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, when did they divorce? When I was six. Oh, okay. So then after that, they were like, here, you, as soon as you turn seven, your mom's like, here's some condoms. You'll eat them one day. It wasn't even that. My mom was a dom. Oh, shit. Like had a rack set up in her living room. Was she a dom while they were married? No. No, okay. My father, like when he found out, I was like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, and she wasn't doing it like professionally. She was just doing it for funsies. It was right. like, she was a lifestyle player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I remember it was like, Right before high school or something like that, my cousins and like my aunt and uncle were coming by and like she's like threw a sheet over the rack and she's like, Don't tell them what that is. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so I mean I've kind of destined for where I ended up, I guess. I well, I was gonna ask you about this too, because you're clearly like into the metal shit. Are you into like a lot of the like macabre or the occult just learning about that shit too? I'm always curious, but it's not like, oh my god, I love you know, the, witchcraft. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, I, I don't worship Satan in real. I am a fucking atheist. I'm just, well, I'm just super interested in that whole world. Cause I was, uh, I'm friends with Jason Rouse who looks like a vampire yeah. and yeah, he's, but he's the nicest person. So nice. Like I, I, yesterday I learned he wasn't a vampire. He was out during the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a very kind guy, but he's into that shit and he, dr and he's into the weird shit. Like he's into like, well, I, I follow him on social media and he did some podcast that's like, you know, into like the blood shit and like whatever, like the, the horror movies. And there's all these like old school, you know, horror movie posters. Once in again, here. not my house, not your house, but you're it looks wearing, like I belong here. You're wearing a shirt with skulls on it. So <laughs> shout out to Exodus. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but is that, that world just always fascinated me because I was like, what, like what attracts people to that kind of music? Do you just like moshing? Is it like, like, oh, what shit. do you like about metal music and like that whole scene? So I hate to break it to everyone right now. My musical tastes are actually super eclectic at this point. Yeah. Like I'm not saying anyone who listens to metal doesn't listen. Oh no, to no. There was else. definitely a point in my life where I was like, Oh, if it's not metal, I'm not fucking listening to it. <laughs> Fuck that bullshit. I mean, I grew up in Texas. If it wasn't country music until high school, I didn't listen to it. So I mean, Austin's got a pretty solid metal scene. <laughs> oh, I know, but I'm from round rock with parents from upstate New York who like are more Texan than Texans. So <laughs> no, I mean, for me, I was just like, I was an angry kid. Yeah. Broken home, angry kid. And just like, heard I think it was actually Seasons of the Abyss like on like Headbangers Ball and I'm just like yeah this is for me you're like this I vibe with this I vibe this with is this. what I feel in here and like I this is something I talk about all the fucking time that like the younger generation really gets to miss out on is 
impulse buying albums purely on artwork. Oh, because one. it was just so graphic? Yeah, like just rolling into record store like, that looks brutal. Joint. <laughs> I can't wait to rage to this one. Yeah, like, but the people but don't get that shit buying digital fucking music. You no. Know, you get the, the beauty of just being like, holy shit, Cannibal Corpse Butcher at Birth has two zombies performing an abortion while there's babies on meat hooks in the back of it. <laughs> and for whatever reason, it has a parental advisory sticker on it. You don't fucking say. <laughs> Oh, my God. Have you never seen that cover? Uh-uh. I, I will have to show it to you. Yeah, right? you'll have to show that to me. It's so, yeah, because, like, I'm just, <laughs> I mean, I've been smiling this whole podcast. I'm such, like, I was such a sensitive little kid and so scared of everything. Like, I literally, in high school, could not watch When a Stranger Calls. Like, I, I, I actually, in college, I think I was visiting my family one time and it was on TV and my brother was still in high school. And they're like, come watch the show with us, Allison. And I was like, nope. And I went upstairs. <laughs> like, I just, that, I don't know. I just would always get so freaked out by shit like that. But I'm fascinated by people that are into it. So do you still get freaked out by it to this day or? No, I'm a lot better about shit like that now. I still don't necessarily like psychological thrillers because I know I will psych myself out if I'm home alone. That's like the main reason why I don't do it anymore. Is but you're in Texas. You have guns. I do, I do have a gun in my house too. Literally like when I move back in, back out of my parents' house and in with my roommates, like the area of town that we're in is okay, but there's definitely a lot of citizen alerts <laughs> around. And, uh, and my roommates were like, you're bringing your gun back with you, right? <laughs> Because they don't have one. <laughs> so like, I yeah, I'm an Angelina with guns. So yeah. oh. oh, so you're one of those. Dude, what kind of hoops do you need to jump through to get a gun in LA? I brought them in from out of state when I moved in. Oh, shit. So, so like, I just had to register them with the you state. Have, you get to register. So it's easier to actually bring them in. Oh, yeah. I have guns that you actually can't legally buy in California. Oh, wow. So California is so fucked up. Like, there's a California approved list. Yeah. And manufacturers have to submit it to California for safety every couple of years. And a lot of manufacturers are just like, we're not jumping through that hoop, so it doesn't right. get certified to be able to be purchased in California. That's wild. So I have a like, I have a Smith and Wesson that is not California compliant, but since I brought it in from out of state, I'm legally allowed to have it. Yeah, I mean, at least I guess like it was so interesting to me when I was going through my concealed handgun license course. Like, here's how proud dad moment for Steve. He literally like my 21st birthday was like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "Let's go buy a handgun." <laughs> He was like, that's my girl. <laughs> What's your everyday carry? <laughs> what? What's your everyday carry? What, what? It's just a nine. Yeah. Make, model? I'm, I'm so bad with the fucking brand, dude. What's the most common one? That's, it's, there's a lot. Of there's a lot guys. of them. It's not a It's not a Glock. It's not a Smith & Wesson. It's um, Beretta. Beretta. Thank you. It's a Beretta. Beretta 92? I don't even know what the number is beyond that. It is a, it is a small, like, it's a nine- Basically, my dad has the the full size version, and I have the shorter barrel one. So when I took my license test, I actually used his gun because it's more accurate. The shorter barrel just makes it less accurate, and um, yeah. But it was just it was so fascinating to me when I was going through that course because um, like they were talking about like state to state the legalities and like which states you can bring your gun to and your your license is still legal and which ones you have to register. And I was like dude, we respect everyone's driver's licenses. Why haven't we agreed? <laughs> so it's interesting to me that like, if you buy a gun legally in another state and bring it to a place where it's illegal, you can actually get it there still. It's weird. It's, it's fucking it. The gun laws are so fucking weird. Well, and like, so I, when I moved from Chicago, I moved to Vegas. And when I first moved to Vegas as gun friendly as 
Nevada is, yeah. you'd be like, oh, no big deal. You actually had to register all your handguns with the Metropolitan Police when you when I moved there. They had something called a blue card where you had yeah. to like, present the gun to them and they had to run it and make sure that like that it was legally purchased, I guess. Yeah. And registered to you probably. Yep. And then they issued you a blue card. Well, I mean, you know, it, it seems contradictory, but like and I took my license course in Georgetown, which was the town I was in earlier today. Very like Williamson County, old school Texas jurisdiction type, you know, system. Um, but what I found interesting was like the teacher was talking about different things like that. And he kept saying, he was like, you know, we're in the Austin area. You're probably going to get shit for having, even having a CHL. Like if, if people who disagree with you find out that you have even if you're not carrying your gun, he's like, if people find out you have your CHL, they'll probably look down on you in certain circumstances. He goes, I just, exactly. Well, I mean, I felt the same way, but he made a good point. He was like, in the eyes of the government, you are actually the most responsible of the citizens because not only do you have a legally registered weapon, you paid the money to be here in this course, prove that you're an accurate shot, and then you paid the taxes to get the fucking license. So in the eyes of the government, it's like, the places that have the loosest gun laws actually have the most processes to go through to make sure that the citizens with the guns who are carrying them legally, you know, although when you buy a gun in Texas, you don't even fucking need to register it. You can buy it at a gun show, but still. Well, it's so fucking wild. Like as someone who professionally carried a gun, like doing armed security. Yeah. In like Nevada is a constitutional open carry state. You can now Texas is too. You can just fucking have the gun on your fucking hip. Yeah. Which well, is the dumbest thing, by the way. You're oh, making yourself target number one if you, people can see your gun. 100%. Because guess what? Guns are valuable. Yeah. Well, also, the, the again, the same teacher, like, he, he made another good point. Because when I was taking the test, it was right after open carry was legalized in Texas. It wasn't constitutional yet, but if you had your CHL, you could open carry. You're dumb. Yeah, he basically was like, look, I know everyone wants to show off their firearms and like be the hero in case there's a random shooting that breaks out. But look, if you're in, if you are a licensed carrier who is doing it with good intentions and you're open carrying and you happen to be there when someone is going to be an active shooter, they are scanning to see who the most offensive people are that could stop them and they're going to shoot you first. 100%. 100%. The only reason you should ever be open carrying is if you're in fucking uniform. Right, if you're security. Yeah, if you're security, law enforcement, that is the only time you should be open fucking carrying. Yeah. If you are in an active shooter situation, the first thing you should be thinking about doing is fucking leaving. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I had people like, oh, yeah, you're carrying all, because I, when I was still living in Vegas, I had a Nevada concealed carry and a Florida. So I was good in like 40 odd states. Yep. So I was carrying a lot. Right, yeah. And people were like, well, if shit goes down, are you ready? I'm like, no. I'm fucking leaving. That thing. Is, Sorry. That shit is only coming out if I have to. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's a responsible gun owner though. And, and that's 99.9% of gun owners is, uh, okay. There's a lot of dudes who have like some fucking, you know, military cosplay fantasies. We're like, oh, I'm going to be the hero and right. I'm going to save lives. I'm like, right. I'm not going to interject myself in shit. But most of those guys don't get even put in that situation, luckily. Thankfully, but it's literally like, unless it's me or you, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Right. Like, you know, when I did armed security for a living where I, you know, potentially could have got shot at, I literally delivered money on bank trucks in Chicago, all over the country. <laughs> like, I've had friends shot on the job, and it was like, I never want to fucking have to hurt anyone. Yeah. I never want to have to point at anyone. But if it's a choice between me or you and me going home at the end of the day, I'm right. going home. Right. Well, because there's the other repercussion that most people don't think about if they're trying to be the hero. Anyone who takes a shot is going to court. 
you're you're gonna have to cough up the money to have a lawyer cough up the time to deal with all those proceedings to prove that you were innocent oh, you and, know? and your pretty ass gun is evidence yeah. you're not getting your fucking pretty ass gun yet yeah to anyone who concealed carries carry a shit gun that works <laughs> dead serious i'm dead serious because like my my duty weapon is a glock model 22 like it's beat to shit right but it fires every fucking time right and i'm like you know if they take my glock they take my Glock. Yeah. It, it's not my fucking... It's not your pride and joy. It's my, not my $1,200 Smith & Wesson. Like, right. It, yeah. That one's for the range. Exactly. <laughs> this is the fun gun. Right. <laughs> but people don't think about the repercussions like you will be civilly sued by the other person's family. Yeah. Like... 100%. People don't, don't realize even if shit. Even if in, even in Texas with pretty strong homestead laws, like to the point where your car counts as your homestead. So if someone breaks into your car while you're in it, you can shoot them and you're legally protected. You still have to go to court and there is still definitely going to be a civil suit against you trying to prove that somehow you were at fault. (laughs) 100%. 100%. And this is a horrible thing to say. This is what we were taught on the job was like, if you shoot somebody and hope, Kill them. Because when it's your word versus the corpses, you're right. <laughs> shoot to kill. I, That's also a security method, though. Because well, like, you're, you're never shooting threat. to kill. You're shooting to end the threat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's how it works in real life. That's true. Yeah. Like the people who this is fuck kind of fucked up, but I'll tell the story. So as doing it professionally, I had to qualify, you know, in Illinois once a year, in Nevada twice a year. Yeah. I would shoot to barely barely qualify. Okay. And the reason is if I ever went to court and I shot someone dead, I'd be like, I didn't mean to kill them. And then they can prove that you were a bad shot. That is actually very smart. Yeah. I was very braggy with my accuracy. Oh no, I, I got I, my when I got my certification. I, I used to work with dudes who would like shoot groupings like the size of a fist, like for the the whole fifty round course. And yes. Like, I'm just like I, I sprayed like, like yeah. There was one year like because when I first got on the job, I I had never handled the gun before I got on started doing the job. Okay. So like I was going to shoot every fucking weekend. Like, yeah. I'm like I'm gonna die. Right. When you started on that job in Chicago, they wanted to weed people out that they thought just couldn't handle it. So in training, they're like, you will get shot at. You would like, I was never shot at 12 years on the job. Right. I only had one close call in like 12 years. Okay. But they, they want people to quit if they, yeah. they, they could hack it. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to the fucking range all the fucking yeah. time. And those first couple of years when I was practicing all the time, I'd be like, oh shit, I, I definitely have hit too much. I'd put rounds in other people's paper just to like drop a couple rounds on right. my own. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, on the for for people who don't know, like on the on the test, it's a it's a field test. There's 50 rounds, like you said. They're usually 20 rounds at three yards, 20 rounds at seven, and 10 at 15. 15 doesn't all, none of those sound like a lot, but 15 is actually pretty substantial for a handgun enough to be accurate. And um, my dad is a super good shot. And when he got his concealed handgun license, he was grouping, you know, really good in the middle, right? And the instructor said some snide comment to him, like, come on, man, aren't you going to miss one? And so on the 50th shot at 15 yards, my dad put it right here <laughs> on the outline. And that technically doesn't count as a point because they want you to hit here. And so the guy had to give him not a perfect score. <laughs> and he said the instructor was like, man, fuck you. you know? <laughs> and, uh, and it was funny because when I came back from my test, um, what happened on my test day was I was there. I was still in college. I was a sorority girl in college. 
So I'm in a XL Comfort Colors t-shirt that says Texas Theta. You can't see my Nike shorts because the shirt's so big. My hair's in my classic bun on top of my head. I look like the most basic bitch, right? And I walk into this like dank ass courtroom in Georgetown, Texas, and it's full of cowboys. And there's these two older guys who turn out to be Vietnam War vets that are getting their CHL. Okay. So it's all dudes, maybe like one or two other women who are like in their forties and they look like country women. And then there's me. And we, you know, we do the, the, the test, the written test, all that shit. I'm sitting in the back the whole time. I don't say shit during the class. Right. So I'm just sitting there and we get to the field to do our practical and the instructor goes, okay, like we've got, we've got too many people to all shoot, you know, at the same time, like for how many stations we have. So let's just get the more experienced shooters up here first. I grew up hunting. I had been training at, at the thing at the range with my dad for like a few months before I went to go get this test done. And there were six stations, five dudes step up, including the Vietnam War vets. And then there's a six station open and no one's taking it. And so the guy was like, come on, let's get one more person. Who's, who's more experienced. And so I stepped up and, uh, and he was like, Oh no, I said more experienced. And I was like, I heard you. <laughs> and he was like, all right, sweetie, let's go. And I'm sure it was all right, sweetie. It exactly. Was, it was. Oh my. All right, sweetie, let's go. I got the so fucking text. I got the same score as my dad <laughs> and I beat the war veterans <laughs> on my score. And, uh, and afterwards the instructor apologized to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be cocky up in this bitch. Let's go. <laughs> Not smart. <laughs> Yeah, but most people don't think about that angle. They don't think about the legal... Because when we went through training, they're like, you will get sued if you shoot someone. Yeah. You will get sued. Like, they told us a story in training was like, a guy was picking up an Aldi. Yeah. And oh, stood up to a gun in his face. Like, throwing Robin in. Just decided to, like, empty his gun into the dude. <sighs> it, it just, bah, 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 like, empty his revolver. They, like, they said on the cameras that, like, it sounded one... He shot... All six rounds so fast that it sounded like one large shot. Holy shit. He didn't end up killing the assailant. He fucking crippled the guy. Jeez. And the guy fucking sued him and tried to sue him for loss of wages. Oh, my God. <laughs> loss of wages. Bro, this was this theft was going to be my meal for the month, man. Right? Oh, you screwed me on my rent, bro. Right? I'm, I can't make fucking rent now. They had to put in a wheelchair access for me like that cost money. <laughs> Fuck. Can you imagine the balls on those criminals, though? Like, respect, honestly. I want that kind of confidence. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be a pretty cocky motherfucker to be like, I'm just going to commit armed robbery on a grocery store. And then it's I'm going to sue you yeah. when my robbery fails. When my robbery fails horribly. Jeez. So it's just like, oh, no, no. I'm going to make it look like, you know, I am a shit shot. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you gone hunting since you started any I, with guns? I've never gone hunting in my life. Would you ever I'm want to? Eh, I'm sure. Why not? I have no moral. I am one of these people that like, if you eat meat, you better see how the sausage is fucking made. That's how I am too. Yeah. I've had, it's interesting. Like I, uh, we talked about this. Like I, I have a, a fitness Instagram account and I share a lot of recipes on there too. And like, um, anytime I go hunting and I actually shoot something, I'll share the hunting picture on that too, because I'm like, look, these game meat recipes, this is where they're coming from. And I can't tell you like number of accounts that give me shit on there that I will go to their page and see pictures of meat. I'm like, you're not even vegan <laughs> and you're getting mad at me for posting hunting pictures. Like you don't, the fact, if you can't process the fact that what you're eating came from an animal 
Why are you eating it? It doesn't just appear on the grocery store shelves. It's not nicely saran wrapped for you. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think you. Sh- I don't even think you have to kill something. I just think you need to understand. Like, if you have a morally, if you have a moral objection to seeing a dead animal, but you're totally fine eating a steak rare, like why? <laughs> What, where's the cognitive dissonance there? That's kind of like a breakdown of humanity a little bit. <laughs> I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. I've only killed one animal in my whole fucking life, and that was in Cuba. <laughs> what was it? A pig. Okay. Yeah. Our, our Airbnb hosts like wanted to give us a pig roast, and they're like, "Oh, cool." You know who wants the honor of killing the pig? And I went, "I'll fucking do it." Yeah. My only qualm about that whole fucking situation is that pig did not go quietly into the oh, night. There, I was going to say, they're loud if you have to kill them like a farmer does. Oh, well, because we was going on a spit, I had to stab it in the heart. Yeah. No one told me I had to twist the knife. Oh. Like, I'm a goddamn city slicker. I probably wouldn't have thought of that either, though. I ended up shanking it like we were in a fucking prison yard. Just fucking, yeah. And it's screaming. And it like, my friends are filming this for like social no. media. And like. It sprayed blood on one of them. Like, Dude, that's one of the hunting things that I don't know if I'd ever want to do. That's like a common thing in Texas to go pig hunting with dogs with with a knife. And you get the dogs to sniff out the pigs and then corner them and then you just jump in and stab it. And I know a girl who just graduated college who did that in high school. Like that was how she would pig hunt. And I'm like, you're, you're, you're too badass for me. I can't. <laughs> but you guys also hunt wild hogs from helicopters with machine guns. That's true. Okay. Well, to clarify though, like the, the pigs in Texas are a mutant breed. Okay. Basically the Texan boar hog is a blend of Mexican javelinas, which technically count as what is it? What is the rat family? It's like they're related to rats. They're closer to rats than pigs. All right. And, but they're fucking huge and they look more like pigs than rats and they tear everything up and they've got their fucking little teeth and they'll get, you know, like 60, 80 pounds. Right. So they're not big for a pig, but they're huge for a rat (laughs) and they're violent as shit. And they started migrating north into Texas. So Texans, being genius people, were like, we're going to get real pigs to kill these things. So we imported Russian boar hogs, which are the ones that get up to 300, 400 pounds, with real tusks into Texas to kill the javelinas. And instead, they bred. And now that is what the Texas boar is. It's just a mix of these and probably like pigs that were farm pigs that escaped and messed with them too, you know, that whole spiel. So now you'll get pigs anywhere from 60 pounds to 500 pounds. And they're just, they tear everything up. They start having babies at six months old and they will have four litters of 12 babies a year. They breed like wildfire and they just, and they destroy everything and they will kill deer. They'll fuck up your wild, their like livestock, all that shit. And so Texans were like, these count as varmints now have fun. (laughs) And there's so many of them that people will go up in helicopters and strap themselves outside of helicopters with ARs and just with a spotlight on the hogs at night and just kill hundreds of them. It's crazy. I don't do that, <laughs> clearly. But um, I do hunt pigs. And like, because I mean, there's a ton of them, like on whatever, wherever I've hunted, there's always been a ton of them. And, but I'll eat them. If I shoot them, I eat them. You know, that's, that's kind of my guideline. Uh, makes sense to me. Yeah. And pigs fucking delicious. It's delicious. And a lot of people are like, you'll eat the Texas boars. And I'm like, it's pork, dude. It's delicious. Like you don't even need to brine it to cook it and make it good. 
And you know, heat and sauce. Like, yeah, done. yeah, it's great. It's it's delicious. And that's actually I talk about this video too much, but the first thing I ever shot was a three hundred pound Texas boar hog when I was ten, and the video is on YouTube. <laughs> And it's just a video. All you see is this huge ass hog and he's under the deer feeder and like deer feeders are pretty tall and you see how tall he is under the feeder. And you're like, oh fuck, that's a big hog and he's got his tusks. And you see it walk in and the, the camera zoomed in the whole time. And this is like a, I don't even, how old was I? This was like a 2005 video, I guess. And, and so it's like a shitty, a shitty camcorder video that my dad converted to digital years later. And it's, but it's just the hog. That's all you see for like a minute. And then it, you just hear a gunshot and it goes, and it's like kicking a little bit because they just kick when they fall over, even if they're dead. And then the video zooms back and it's 10-year-old Allison going, should I shoot him again? Because <laughs> he's kicking. Because <laughs> he's kicking. And then my dad's like, no, 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 you're good. And he's like, how do you feel? And I'm like, I've got a hog. <laughs> I've got the strongest fucking Texan accent. And there's like, like I don't even know, probably 50,000 hits on this video at this point. And all of the comment section are just other Texan dads being like, good parenting. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my YouTube fame right there. (laughs) Oh, move that video over to your personal channel. I need to. I need to. Like my dad probably made ad revenue on me (laughs) for that one. (laughs) Been amazing if you've been able to pay for your college with that video. Oh my god! Yeah, there was one comment that was like, "I bet she had zero unexpected pregnancies growing up." Good job, dad. Not one hate comment. I was like, Dad, you hit the only YouTube algorithm that didn't get a bunch of haters. No no militant vegans being like, oh my God, that poor little girl, you're indoctrinating her. I should just start linking that video under like Freely the Banana Girl on fucking YouTube. She's like a huge vegan influencer. Oh my God, that would would be really a a bad actually. Get some eyes on your other projects. Get my dad another $5 in ad revenue. Do it. I'm sure he'll appreciate it. Yeah. For Father's Day, I got you more ad rev and some hate mail. Yeah. That's cool, right, Dad? He would probably enjoy responding to it, honestly. He sends me joke ideas all the time. Give him something to do. I think this is a brilliant plan. I think you should do it. Yeah. That'll be my kid's college fund. You know how this got paid for? I killed a pig in 2005, bitch. Well, you got to do it like a modern update on it. You got to go kill another pig. <laughs> I should do a remake of that video and say the same shit. Say the, see if you can find the same outfit. Yeah, but this like the tiny clothes on. Just like don't fit. That would be funny. It would be amazing. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to do it. That would be really funny, actually. Yeah, I should do that. <laughs> You gotta get your dad in it too. Oh, my dad would for sure do it. He'd think that's brilliant, actually. I'm gonna text him that after this. <laughs> Another brilliant comedy idea came from the show that I will get no credit on <laughs> later on. I'll give you a dollar of that ad revenue. <laughs> Fuck yeah, the yes. podcast is finally paying. Monetized. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag sponsored. Yes. <laughs> Brought to you by Hog Hunting in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell us guns are bad. <laughs> they made me money. <laughs> Sadly, they've made me a lot of money over the years. Yeah, that was actually your career. <laughs> Ooh, don't call it that. It well, was never a career. Twelve years later, I'm like, day it's, job. It's still a job. It's still, job. still a job. It's still like this is. I, this is not my career. I have a corporate card. This is still a job. This is not my career. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Yeah, uh, such a fucking nightmare. 
I, I have stories for days about being on that job. Like, I'm sure. That's, I mean, security is such a wild job to have. You're literally getting paid to put your life in front of someone else's if the time calls for it. Oh, it was never going to be put in front of someone else's. Like, at, at the end of the day, like, when I was doing the, the bank trucks, it's like, oh, you got the drop on me? You it's get me, this money. Me or the money. Yeah. yeah. And they used to tell us that, like, the money's insured. Don't fucking die. If you think they're going to kill you, that's another story. Yeah. But the money's insured. Give them the fucking money. And then, like, when I was doing exec protect stuff like that, I was like, Oh, no, no. My goal is to get you the fuck out of here. My goal is not to jump in front of a bullet for it. Yeah, like, yeah. If shit looks sideways, we're leaving. We're both leaving, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I was in a strip club in Madison, Wisconsin, and like the club was just letting um, the outlaws wear their cuts in like in the strip club. Like There was just a whole gang of the fucking... I'm like, we gotta go. <laughs> that is a one-percenter club. Like Even if they're not up to no good, like I don't know. yeah. The fact that they're being allowed to wear their cuts in here yeah. means that they have control of this fucking... This well, is their... Bo- yeah, this, this is, is their, their place. Club, and we're done for the night. We got to go. Like... did Was that a situation where you guys, like, walked in and you saw it and you were like, let's no, go? No, no. She, she was, like, the paid feature. Like, Oh, shit. You know, but it, she had done both her sets and she was doing, like, the signing autographs, taking eight by tens with people. And I'm just like, we got to wrap. We yeah. Just, we yeah, got to yeah. wrap it up. Like, let's, let's get out of here before things get squirrely. Like, and they may have never gotten squirrely. I'm not yeah. like saying like, oh my God, the outlaws are going to be. No. Yeah. You were just like, I, I feel like we could be safer elsewhere. Right. I feel like it's time for breakfast. <laughs> right. Want to hit us? Want to hit a diner? Let's, let's, let's hit a diner. Let's, yeah. let's go get some coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I love you to death, but I, I'm not fighting a bunch of bikers for you. <laughs> Pancakes sound a lot nicer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I have no no inclination that it was ever going to come to that, but it was just like better safe than sorry. There's a group of them and one of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And they may have just had a good time that night and nothing could have happened. Yeah. But it's my job to be like, mm, better safe than sorry. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> you know, hundred pound porn girl, they may want to party. And, like, eh. and she just performed too. So they recognize her, yeah. even if they didn't know her from porn before that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, posters all over the club because she's the paid feature. Like, it's not like, you know, she's just some house girl. Like, right. It's like, this is who we're paid to bring in for the feature dance. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. I need to go pee so bad. Actually, why don't we wrap? Should we we've wrap? Been, we're, we've, we've been, been going. Like two hours, 15 minutes already. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, we'll do this again. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, you know, we probably, if you didn't have to urinate, I'd probably been like, oh, yeah, we just keep going to like three hours. Like, Fucking turn into a Rogan. Going episode. Rogan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not even Rogue anymore. Going Rogan. <laughs> that was a dumb play on words right there. Comedy. I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. You're the professional comedian. I'm just some asshole with a mic. <laughs> I think that's what comedians are too most of the time though. <laughs> Fair enough. But no one's paying to put me on a stage. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Allison, where can they find you, your podcast, all that fun shit? Yeah, um, I'm at Aliwo, A-L-L-I-W-O. That's my website, Aliwo.com, Instagram. Uh, the podcast is coming soon on Big Laugh Comedy Network, so it'll be on my website and blcomedy.com, uh, streaming on YouTube and all the platforms, Detox with Allison, D-E-T-A-L-K-S, play on words because I'm an annoying marketer sometimes. Um, but yeah, I make comedians take their vitamins while they talk to me <laughs> and sometimes it's a shit show and sometimes it's really insightful and fun. So, you know, just want to have conversations. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe next time I'm in Austin, I'll get an IV and like, yeah, yeah. dude, I'd love to have you on the podcast. 
Yeah, after I've been hit hard the whole time in here. So. Oh, I'm sure. I talk to Bobby all the time. He's like, "Man, you got to help me lose some fucking weight. We might actually make some content out of that. Get him and like Bill Dawes and a couple other people that have been complaining about their weight." Do you have me because I'm a certified personal trainer. <laughs> so they're like, you want to train us? And I was like, I will totally do that for the gram, dude. <laughs> like, let's oh, that'll be amazing. Fucking go. But he was like, you got to know up front. I'm not going to quit drinking. I'm not going to sleep more. And I'm going to still eat like shit. And I was like, well, this isn't going to work, but let's try anyway. <laughs> oh, no, you're just going to make him sweat and maybe have a heart attack on camera. You know, but that would be good content. <laughs> I mean, as long as you know CPR, don't kill Bobby. I do know CPR. <laughs> like, we can't be friends anymore if you Actually, kill Bobby. Actually, wait, cut that. I don't know CPR. I won't be liable. <laughs> Where's my waiver? <laughs> Bobby for sure needs to sign a waiver. <laughs> I can't be friends with you anymore if you kill Bobby. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair line. Yeah. Sorry. You know, if he does it to himself when he flips a tire after I tell him to take a break, though. That's on him. No, no, you still killed him at that point. <laughs> you still, it was your tire. <laughs> that's the one thing that's so weird about training is like people will hire a personal trainer and be like, I'm not sore today. You didn't push me hard enough. And I'm like, no, that just means you're getting more fit and you shouldn't be sore all the time. <laughs> Please sleep enough <laughs> so that you heal. Like Eat I a banana. You, Eat I, a banana. I gave you 30 seconds to take a break. Please stop doing jumping jacks. <laughs> I'm about to make you deadlift again. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Just please don't kill Bobby. Please. I know. Please. please. Yeah. Like I said, if I tell you it's break time, please take it. That's all I'm saying. All right. All right. <laughs> on that note, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook, twitch.tv slash Matt F and Slayer. You can find the podcast at, and now we drink on Twitter, and now we drink underscore on Instagram. And until next week, drink up, motherfuckers. Woo. Thank you. Thank you.